Did you know that this podcast is a part of the Jayzo Modcast Podcast Network? Chances are, if you enjoy this show, you'll find other great podcasts on the network, too. The Jayzo Modcast Network offers you a choice of shows seven days a week, starting with Monday. Join Rebecca C. Lofgren, Aaron Illick, and David K. Montoya in Seeing Red. The trio dive deep down the rabbit hole each week with a combination of geek and weird news. Then on Tuesdays, join the boys from the Great White North, Mike Lutz, Rob Bellamy, and Jason Beckard in the movie Madhouse as they bring you everything Hollywood and more. On Wednesdays, Reaper Rick's Tree Frog Expose Cafe, where he crosses the line of limits as he gives us news that is unforgettable and personal views that you'll definitely remember as well. Spend Thursdays with Jim Bennett and Nick McKelvey as they join forces in American Fat Ass Podcast to talk about various topics from news, sports, to their personal lives, all the while with a humorous slant in an unapologetic fashion. Fridays, Rob Bellamy is joined with Mike Lutz as they jump in the Wayback Machine to explore the archives of the JZO Modcast to give you three hours of audio entertainment in Flashback Fridays. Saturdays, join JZO Modcast founder David K. Montoya as he explores the world for a single of Who's the Boss? Then Sundays, finish the week with What We Think with hosts S. Sadie Burbank and David K. Montoya as they tell us exactly what they think about pop culture, celebrities, and the world at large, with a ton of vulgarity mixed in for good measure. The JZO Modcast Podcast Network. We've got what you want seven days a week for free. Listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher, or like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And don't forget to check us out at jazelmon.com slash jazelmodcast. And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to another episode of Flashback Fridays. I'm Rob. I'm Mike. And I bet you thought we were gone. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Dave filled in for us last week. Because we forgot to make an episode. Oops. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. <laughs> I hate when that happens. Well, I said it was... Uh, no excuse. We just forgot. Yep. No sense. No sense trying to sugarcoat it. You see, I was studying for my law degree. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's almost believable. No, absolutely. Yes, I forgot. Uh, we got plodding along, and Dave calls me, or doesn't he text me and says, uh, you got any more episodes? It's like, well, we can make some. When do you need them? He goes, today. Like, well, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you know what? <laughs> I was studying for my law degree, and... Uh, I get... Not... No, sure. <laughs> Law degree. We'll go with that. We'll go. Yeah, that's that. That sounds that sounds almost believable. Mm, yeah. So now that we're back in the saddle, let me get this mic set right, and then let's get into the first episode. 
of uh, Flashback Friday. What are you uh, going back into the vault and digging out for us tonight? We pulled up. Uh, let me see. What is it here? Who's the boss number eight? 008? 008. Oh. No, this is the one that came after Bond. Yes. He yes. was just uh, a, a second slower in the trials. Yep. He got to do all the paperwork. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. Anyways. This one's called Holy Bat Nerd. I'm guessing. I would just hazard a guess that this is a Batman-centric uh, episode. Uh, No. No? Okay. Okay, yes. Oh. This week, Dave sits down and gets nerdy as he gets wordy. Oh, oh ah. look at that. Gets wordy about Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 1 and 2 and Superman All-Stars. So this oh. is like an animated the one. The animated one. Yeah, the, uh, the animated uh, Batman. I remember the All-Stars one, but I preferred the uh, Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. It, it was just like taking the, uh, the Miller books and bringing it to life was just like... Uh, geek gasms all over the place. Oh, they were they're so well done. Just like Sin City, you know, yeah. it is actual paper onto film. It's mm-hmm. awesome, awesome. Okay, so let's take a listen and see what it says. Okay, sounds right. like a plan. Here we go. All right. Welcome to Who's the Boss? I am your host, David K. Montoya. Welcome back for this week. Uh, just it's been a tiring week. Um, family got hit with bronchitis mainly my my oldest my my boy he he's been sick poor kid um a lot of cough and a lot of hacking uh, we've got him on some medications and trying to get him back on the road to recovery but i think it's going to take a while to get him up and running my daughter uh, she doesn't seem like she has so much of uh, bronchitis as a cold, but still, she, you can tell she's pretty miserable. A lot of coughing and choking and and sneezing and just, you know, having that cold. And now my wife, she's recently uh, come down. And I don't know if, at this stage. I really can't tell if it's it's bronchitis or if it's something other, you know, than that. You know, did she, did she catch the cold from from my daughter? So pretty much everybody except me has been miserable for the last few days and trying to fight this ailment. Kind of cold, but other than being cold, I, I feel pretty good. Um, usually, I you know have certain spots where I record for different shows, and uh, when I do Who's the Boss, uh, I, I usually have my little area uh, dedicated to that and. So I'm over here in my computer chair and wrapped up in a blanket. You know, I'm pretty cold. <clears throat> but for the most part, I feel pretty good. So this week, nothing really going on in the headlines in, in my life. Um, we haven't done much. Other than, and as you know, because this will be in March, by the time you hear this, uh, Jaiselmon and Jaiselmodcast uh, took a little break. We're updating the system. Um, one of the things that I do is that I always check the audio feedback online, and I listen to the entire show, you know, as if someone else was listening. And I just was not happy with the 64-bit rate at which it was played at online. Now, if you buy the premium, it's 128 bits. 
and that's uh, you know CD quality. But <clears throat> I just felt like I wanted to give you guys something more. I mean, yes, I know it's all for free, but still, I want it to sound pretty good, you know, for free. So uh, we went and we purchased uh, a converter, and when we spin this down into an MP3, you know, we spin it down into a 128-bit. And then from there, we split it into, normally we split it in half to a 64-bit. But now, um, you're going to be listening to this, if you're listening to this online, you're listening to it at a 96-bit. So it's, instead of splitting it down, you know, by half, it's being split down by, you know, only, what, 25% less than what we're actually recording at. So I'm, I'm hoping you guys are, are digging that. Um, one of the shows that are coming out this week is uh, Seeing Red. And that is just a, a family affair. I, I was so happy the way that came down. Um, what had happened was is it was during the Super Bowl Sunday. And, and uh, we, we got together at, you know, here in my place and... We were eating and watching the Super Bowl, and, and unfortunately, if you're a 49ers fan, you're, you're disappointed like I am. If not, if you're a Baltimore fan, then, you know, you, you guys are pretty happy. But anyway, we, you know, watched the game and ate some food and just had a good time, and I figured, you know, this would be a good opportunity to try to get everybody into a broadcast, and um, so I, I popped out the gear, and we actually did a, a scene red segment with everybody, and my wife and my mom were included and that was just a nice little treat and we had a good time and if you're listening to this you probably already listened to Scene Red and if you haven't never listened to Scene Red it, it's pretty fun um, and you should actually go back to our closed show called Sibling Rivalry and start with number one and then work your way up um, pretty much what we've done is we've we've recorded over 10 shows I think 11 shows total um, what had happened was we did originally a thing called the sibling rivalry and unfortunately there was someone out there that already had the trademark name sibling rivalry sibling rivalry sorry um, with podcasting so we ended up having to change it so that's the whole reason why we changed the name but if you listen to Sibling Rivalry number one all the way to where we're at, I think number five in Scene Red, it's just a, a continuous show. It's just we had to change the name of the show. Um, let's see what else is going on. Not too much in the way of the general you know, population. I've gotten recently, and I, I talked about this not too long ago, you know, I, I've been looking at things of getting back into and enjoying. And one of the things that I decided that I was going to get back into is comic books. And though I'm a huge Marvelite, and if people don't under, know that terminology, a Marvelite is a person that follows Marvel comics. You have two big comics. Com well, yeah, well, three technically. Uh, but the big two is Marvel Comics and DC Comics. Um, and if you follow Marvel, you are a Marvelite or a Marvel zombie. And um, I, I like to consider myself 
you know, not being completely brain dead and witless. So I, I decided to go with Marvel Light instead of Marvel Zombie. Um, if you hear in the background, you can hear my boy. He's actually all the way back in his room and he's he's coughing up a storm. So uh, that's what you're hearing in the background if you're hearing someone cough. That's my boy. He's just hacking away. Um, anyway, so I've been a, a Marvel fan for 20 plus years now. And uh, I've always been a, a fan of the X-Men. That's That's been my cup of tea, is the X-Universe. And... Um, I don't know what had happened. I, I think just kind of strolling through Facebook because I have like DC Comics on my Facebook and uh, Marvel Comics, and, and I kind of see what they're putting out, you know. And uh, it just seems like to me I, I'm more interested in what DC's doing with Batman among um, some other characters, you know, Superman, eh, but mainly it's. Um, it's been Batman. So I've been kind of following Batman. I haven't completely decided if I'm going to get back into the X-Men or not. But right now, I'm kind of enjoying the Batman thing. And uh, one of the things that they came out with... Well, they came out last year. Late last year was the Dark Knight Returns Part 1. And what that was is... Back in the 80s, I believe it was like 84, Frank Miller came out with a graphic novel. Well, before it was a graphic novel, it was a four-part miniseries. And it was about how Batman is older. And he got to the point where he just couldn't fight crime no more because he was so old. And he retired. But things have gotten you know, so bad in the last 10 years, he decides to come out of retirement even though he's you know aged quite a bit. And through the, the four books, you deal with uh, the mutants. The mutants are a group of, of I guess, teenagers. And they, they're just thugs. You know, they, they're, I guess, what would be a futuristic, you know, um, street game. And then you deal with, like, Two-Face which was really good and then after that you get into book three which is the Joker and then finally book four is Superman versus Batman which was really good so what DC decided to do is they decided to animate this book um, and what they did is they split it into two so the Return of the Dark Knight Part 1, which came out last year, late last year, um, that covered the Two-Face thing and the, the mutants, the mutant gang. And then, just recently, they came out with Part 2, uh, and that covers the Joker and Superman. And now, I read this book back when I was still in high school. I think I was like maybe 16 or 17 years old. A friend had lent it to me and, and I read it and I remember it was just so profound because um, it was really dark. It was darker than anything that I had ever read uh, from any subject matter whether it be um, Marvel or DC and I remember I just got kind of pulled into it and, and the story it was really good. It's it's literally in my top 
five of best comic books I've ever read. And um, so when I heard that they were going to animate this, I, I really didn't think much of it. Um, because it's such a profound book, you know, and, and when you read it, you know, you, you think, oh, these guys can't really make it work because it's animated. And, and one thing I've learned in my life of, of writing is when you convert a comic book to movie, unless you're Zack Snyder and you do like, you know, The Watchmen, which is literally almost page for page exactly the way the comic book is. But other than that, most comic book movies are just off on their own little tangents. And I, I didn't have high expectations. So I got my hands on a digital download, and that's kind of what I've been doing lately. I really haven't been buying much uh, as far as like DVDs, Blu-ray. Um, I just kind of like it, the convenience. You know, I can get online and, and you know, get the, the digital download and watch it right off my laptop, you know. Don't, I don't have to get up or just sit on my ass, sit right here in front of the laptop and watch it. And I, I at first, I, I didn't know what to think. Because when it started and you've seen Bruce Wayne and, and uh, he's driving this sports car. And in the comic books, the four... And I'll probably refer to it more as comic books than a graphic novel because I was introduced to it as four separate comic books. So there you have it just so I don't confuse you. But in the comic books, um, there's this great monologue. It's like, if they were to do it in film, it would be in voiceover. And that's what I was expecting. And there was no voiceover. And I was like, oh man, you know, they missed the big cue right there. You know, there was no voiceover. But then as I got deeper into the story, I realized what they were doing is they took that voiceover or the monologue in the comic books and they made it dialogue. And I was like, okay, that, that works. And I got so involved in the story. Now, I know that they, they moved you know, some things around between you know, part one and part two just so the, it, it flows better. And I, I get that. And I didn't have a problem with that, actually. Um, you know, I, I knew that there was pieces uh, just readjusted for different timelines. So, like I said, you know, the story's told better cinematically than, you know, would be literally, literary. And uh, so I, I really liked part one. And I... I I kind of like, eh, because Two-Face has never been really one of my big favorite villains, all-time villains. Um, I think they could just do a lot more with him, you know, as far as character development-wise. But eh, the way that they did it was good, and I, and I enjoyed it. But my, my big thing was, was um, with the, the mutants... You know, because Batman decides that he has to take out the mutant leader in order to stop the mutants, which are the gang. And spoilers, you know, if you haven't read the book or seen the movies. 
And um, so you got to think about this guy, and, and he's probably... The way I think about it is he's probably maybe between like 62 to 65 in age. You know, and, and he abused his body so much over the years of being Batman. You know, it's just so incredibly hard for him to even get around. But the man's drive for freedom and justice is just propels him to do things that he shouldn't do. But, you know, as Batman, he has to do. And he goes and he fights uh, the mutant leader. And that was just a really great battle scene. The camera angles, the shots, the storytelling. And I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but Peter Wellers, who, you know, Robocop or uh, Buckaroo Banzai, he is the voice of the the aged Batman or Bruce Wayne. And at first I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to follow that either because I'm, I'm so used to Kevin Conroy, uh, you know, Batman animated series as the Batman. And... Um, so I was kind of like, ah, I don't know if you know I'll be able to get into Peter Weller being Batman, but I was. I was totally into it, and um, he delivered some great lines. It was really fun, and uh, so he ends up fighting the mutant leader, and he he beats the man into a pulp, and well, not saying that he didn't get his ass kicked too, but he did. He he did. He got jacked up pretty good but obviously the mutant leader was on the the back end of that you know and, and losing the battle essentially and it was just really good and I really enjoyed it and I wasn't sure if you know because when you walk into something with no expectations and they're really really good um, you know that just makes the the viewing experience so much more pleasurable you know so now that I've seen part one and my viewing experience was so pleasurable I was concerned with what was part two going to be like because now I had an expectation level and I let me tell you I was not disappointed at all I just the Joker that's all I have to say and I know if, if you guys aren't comic book fans, you probably already turned this off already, but um, the way that they did the Joker was just right on the money with the way Frank Miller portrayed him. And it was so, so good. And that was one of the things, I mean, I, I understand, you know, the, the structure and the acts of her stories. and But I, I think that because... Batman and the Joker. You know, it, it's like heads or tails on a quarter. It's, it's the same. And I, I've always seen them as the same, just different sides. Um, you know, once, again, spoilers, um, if you kill your arch nemesis, actually your arch nemesis kills himself, essentially, um, you know, that's, that's pretty much it. It's over. Game over. Um, and I really think, and, and this is even going with uh, Frank Miller, because, you know, that's the way Frank Miller set it up, was he did 
the Joker than he, he took on Superman. Now, I understand that Superman, that's a, a big act to follow. But I, I personally, I think that they should have done the Superman story before they did the Joker story. No, I'm, I'm not saying that either one of them are less than the other. It's just my preference. I think that, you know, telling the, the conclusion of the Batman-Joker story is a lot better and maybe could tie it in that way. And, I mean, again, I know, I understand, I get it. Because, you know, at the end, again, spoilers, a lot of spoilers today. Um... So at the end of it, you know, Batman, who's completely like bar- body armored up, and he fights Superman, and and they're fighting, and in the process of fighting, um, you see Alfred. He's setting the Wayne Mansion on fire, and he's walking out, and he collapses. And at first, you don't kind of get it. Maybe this exhaustion or something. But he actually he he kills over. He dies. He has a stroke. And in the process of Batman fighting Superman, you think Batman, just his heart gives out. And then you shoot to which, it was it was good, it was good. Um, it, you shoot to the funeral, and, you know, uh, was it Gordon and a beat-up Clark Kent, which kind of made, it, it amused me because, you know, you know, the whole charade of Clark Kent Superman. But anyway, um, so they're there and they have some really good mon- or dialogue between each other. And um, then you think that's it. You think Batman's dead, he died. And then it shoots to... Remember the mutants, the ones I was just talking about a moment ago? Well, after Batman beats their leader, they become a group called Sons of Batman. And... They follow Bruce Wayne down into the Batcave. I'm thinking it's the Batcave. They never really explain. Um, And he decides that this is how he's going to spend the rest of his life. He's going to train, you know, these guys to be vigilantes and and take the the fight to Gotham like he did. And that's how it ends. And it was so good. It was very good. Um, I think my my expectations were met. I, I don't think they were exceeded, uh, but I think they were met. And combined, I think it's just really great to watch. And and if if you're not into it, then I, I don't even know why you're listening to this. You know, 22 minutes in. <laughs> um, but if if you're into that type of storytelling you know you can go to Amazon you can go to iTunes you can download them um, or just go to Walmart or Target or something and go buy both Blu-rays and and watch them and that's what I suggest if you haven't seen this uh, either of them they should be watched back to back Um, it's just more enjoyable I mean yeah it's like three and a half hours total runtime, you know together but you get the whole story, the whole sequence, and, and, and there's no gaps to fill. And one of the things, one of the other things I loved about it was both DC and Warner Brothers approached it as, okay, when you think Batman, the general public think, you know, 1960s 
Adam West, campy, dopey-ass Batman. And for what it is, it's, it's fun to watch. But, you know, there's this stigmata about comic books that all it, they're just for little kids. And that's completely not true. You know, demographics is like 18 to 45. And, you know, technically speaking, there's not kids. I mean, you could argue the debate of 18, but still, there's a big age difference, you know, between being 8 and 18. And Marvel, not Marvel, Warner Brothers and DC, you know, approaches cartoon to, to meet the demographics and there was some stuff in there that I was really surprised that actually was allowed. Um, Bruno, which is the Joker's, how do I explain it, bed buddy, I guess, for the lack of a better term. You know, they're, they're a couple up here. They really never explain it in detail, but just in dialogue, you, you learn that. Anyway, she is pretty much topless. And the only thing that she has on her top is swastikas that, that cover her, her nipples. And I was really shocked to see that they put it into the cartoon because I, I thought that that would be too extreme even for that demographic to be put in there because you know there there's going to be some people that um you know buy this for their eight nine year old and i agree it, it it's not something suitable but i was surprised um you know and it was they they left it in there i mean it was very true to the comic book series um you know bruna was in there she was topless she had swastikas over her boobs essentially and um you know, and that's what she looked like. And another thing that really surprised me is um, when Batman is fighting the the Joker. There's a scene in the comic book where Batman just throws a battering and it just sticks right in his eye. And Joker looks at Batman. And he's like, "Are you crazy?" And um, it was a really graphic scene because you got this object sticking out of this other person's skull, you know? And I was like, you know, they're, they're probably not going to leave that in. Well, to some of my surprise, they did. They left it in. And in fact, once it was in there, you know, once it, the battering went into the eye, it, it never came out. It was, um, that was surprising. But I think one of the most surprising points was they had the Joker just stabbing Batman and just shanking the crap out of him. And I, I don't know how many times, but there was just several times. And each time, blood was just flaring out, you know. And I was like, wow, this is really intense. You know, because that, again, it's something not for little kids. It was geared with the people that read The Dark Knight Returns, uh, you know, back in the 80s, and obviously anybody that read that back in the 80s are now, you know, adults now, <laughs> like middle-aged adults, and for myself, I mean, because I was too young in the 80s when it came out, I read it in the 90s, 
but still myself, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost middle-aged. You know, that's what they approached this cartoon as. And I know people are probably getting pissed off, and they're like, it's an animated movie, not a cartoon. But, you know, it's Bay's Boz. You know, it's, it's the same thing, folks. So anyway, um, it was really good. It was really enjoyable. And I just really liked it. And, and you know, it, like, like I said, you know, if you haven't seen it, just go buy it. Or hell, you know, just go to, like, Redbox. Or, or um, you can stream it off of iTunes. I think it's only, like, two or three bucks to stream it. You know, if you watch both of them back-to-back, that's like, say, six bucks total. You know, that's six bucks for three-plus hours of entertainment. You don't have to worry about life. Just sit back and enjoy, you know, Batman. It's very well worth it. Um, Another thing is, is, uh, what's her name? Kelly, the one, the little girl that becomes Robin. And this one, I, I was surprised because Frank Miller the way he drew her to me I remember going back into comic books he drew this girl and she's probably in like her mid to late teens but very masculine to me didn't didn't come across very um, feminine but in the cartoon even though the, the artist nailed you know what the the girl looked like Robin um, she came across feminine I don't know if it was just because it was a very soft feminine voice but they were able to you know take it to how do I explain this um, you know there's this there's a running joke about Batman and, and his sexuality with the Robins you know um, he's had multiple wards that have all been young boys and um, you know and, and then Frank Miller brings in this new Robin who's actually a girl but to me again and this is just my interpretation of the, of the artwork and in the storyline she seemed very masculine and I don't know that to me this kind of fit with the whole stigmata of things but when you watch it, when you actually hear the voice speak, um, I remember her name was Ariel, Ariel something, I don't remember her last name, um, you know, and the way that they animated her, it, they just did a really good job, I mean, it just worked on all levels, and you're like, oh, okay, you know, maybe that's, that's the way Frank Miller um, had intended it, you know, someone to be strong, and, you know, girl will be well, because you're going to be Robin. And, but yet still be very feminine on the same side. He did a really good job on that. I, I just, I can't say a good, you know, what I've been talking about it for about half an hour now. You know, it's, it's just a really, really fun story. Um, and then, after all that said and done, I was like, oh, okay. Well, let's see what else I can find out there in the world of streaming video. And I looked around and I found this thing called Superman All-Stars. Now, anybody that knows me or has listened to me probably already knows that I am not a Grant Morrison fan. I don't like his stories. I don't like the way he writes. Um, You know, and... 
to me, that's where I started getting turned off in the comic books is when he took over the X-Men. And he just, to me, really did not do wonderful things to the storyline. You know, and this can be debated. That's fine. This is just my opinion. But I don't think he... He's too sci-fi fantasy for those type of things. With that said, um, he was hired a few years back to to do Superman All-Stars. And Superman All-Stars is like an alternate reality uh, DC universe. And <clears throat> the concept that he came up with I thought was really genius. I mean, other than the fact that he had Frank Quarterly, you know, draw, and, and I don't even know how the man is a professional artist. Um, he he came up with an idea, and it was really good, I thought, was, um, you know, the, the concept of Superman versus Lex Luthor. You know, that's, that's a classic, you know, protagonist-antagonist storyline. And what it is, is Lex Luthor is, like, realizing he's getting old. He's going to die, you know. Anything else, he's going to die from old age. As where Superman is still young. And that that brings into my first problem. But I'll get that in a minute. And so he devises this plan to essentially kill Superman. So now we, we jump into the storyline. And I, I was following it. It was good. But one of the things that came to mind, okay, is um, if Lex Luthor and Superman were, now as far as age speaking wise, I believe their, their proximity is very similar. You know, they're close to the same age. And... So Lex Luthor is getting older and he's realizing he's going to die. And then you shoot to Superman, who of course still looks like he's, you know, 22, 25 years old. Then it goes into him being Clark Kent. Now, here's the first question I had to mind. And that is, if Superman looks like he's 25 years old still... Lex Luthor is getting older, visibly older. Um, why hasn't Clark Kent aged? Why hasn't anybody noticed that Clark Kent's aged? But they don't address that. In fact, they, they modify it to make uh, Lois Lane still look, you know, young. And... Um, there was, there was a lot of plot holes in that. But you know what? I, I was enjoying it. I was hot off the hills of the Batman. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'll buy it. I'm cool. I'll buy it. And um, <clears throat> so essentially what happens is, is Lex Luthor makes this thing try to crash this vessel into the sun. And Superman goes and he saves the the, the capsule and... You know, he returns back to Earth, everything's fine. But then he realizes that because he got so close to the sun, his cells are exploding from the sun radiation and, and that he's going to die. Now, number one, 
I mean, okay, let's let's go with this. I know it's a world of fantasy. I get that. I really do. Um, but there's there's points of of being believable. You know, um, you know, especially with someone in the medical field, you got to make it a little bit more believable. You really do. Um, that's pretty much saying, okay, let me break this down into bio terms. They say that, you know, the sun is what gives Superman his power. So essentially the high amount of vitamin D that's from the sun, it gives Superman his powers. And being closer to the sun has now somehow give him too much radiation or energy or however they explained it causing the cells to explode which would mean that he has so much vitamin D in his system that um, you know it's killing him now on the metabolic factor <clears throat> the CDC has a list of anything for overdoses you know it, it doesn't matter what it is if you overdose on something there's you know alternative to to fixing that and that's where my mind went with this story um it was like <laughs> you know number one superman he's supposed to be the smartest person on the world too you know he, he doesn't know so you know call the cdc <laughs> find out you know what it is for essentially vitamin d poisoning but you know even at that i i was still okay let's just go into it let's just do this you know, I, I've already invested my time and money in, in watching this. Um, <clears throat> let's see what, I, you know, comes out of it. And for the most part, it was a good story. Um, I like the fact that, in spoilers if you haven't seen it, um, he gives Lois Lane this serum that, for her birthday, that she kind of becomes him for 24 hours. You know, she can fly and have all these powers and blah, 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 blah. And uh, he reveals to her that Clark Kent is actually Superman. And they go to the Fortress of Solitude and, and all this good stuff. And it, it was good. It was good. Um, I like the fact that they tried to get a little risky with Superman, with uh, Lex Luthor. You know, because they actually take Lex Luthor to um, the electric chair. And they show him being electrocuted in the electric chair. And I was like, wow, that's actually really deep, you know. Uh, it was done really soft. There was no smoke coming off the skin or anything like that or eyeballs bulging. But it was done It was done very tastefully for, you know, uh, like I was saying, people, people's perception of comics. We'll, we'll leave it at that. And... Um, then he, again, spoilers, he, somehow he he gets a hold of the Superman serum and, and actually the, the electric shock doesn't kill him. So he goes and they battle, they do their thing. <clears throat> and then this... I don't know how to explain it. A terrestrial, extraterrestrial, I guess. Um, goes and... He's supposed to be working for Lex Luthor. They make a deal, but he betrays Lex Luthor and he poisons the sun. And Superman says, well, I know how to fix the sun. And so he goes and he flies off into the sun. 
then you shoot to, you know, the future, and Luther is back in jail. This guy comes up to him. He he talks about, you know, everything he's done. He gives uh, this scientist, the guy that comes to visit him, a book, and he's talking about, you know, how he's broken down Superman's genetic code and and whatnot, and you know, maybe this will be the good of the world. So I'm assuming he's going to get executed again, which is another story, you know, because, and I don't know why people don't think about these things. You can't be tried, okay? <clears throat> if uh, if you're sentenced to death, if you're sentenced to the electric chair, and you get the zap, and you don't die, or you get gassed, you don't die. Um, it's not like they can keep doing it over and over and over again until you die. You know, it's just a one-time deal. Anyway, um, so he's he's back on death roll. He gives the scientist this book. He talks about it's Superman's genetic code. The scientists look like you know he's he's gonna just burst with joy. He's walking out of the prison. He looks down at this blue book with the Superman logo on it. And they get in the car and drive away. And then it cuts to Lois Lane. She's standing behind this uh, portrait of Superman. And um, Jimmy Olsen comes up and he's talking about the memorial, you know, about how there, you know, thousands of people are going to be there. And, and Lois Lane tells him that, well, Superman's not dead. He's fixing the sun. And once the sun's fixed, you know, he'll be back. And then it, it drifts up and uh, into space. And then <clears throat> it kind of shows Superman pulling like levers inside the sun, you know, trying to fix the sun. And that's how it ends. And I was really disappointed. <laughs> I mean, just uh, if there is any, ah, fuck, man, I, I did not like it. I mean, I tried to go with it, and it, this does not have so much to do with the fact that it was the concept was written by um, Grant Morrison because the the same writer who did the adaptation of the Dark Knight Returns did the adaptation for that. So it, it's, you can't say it's that because, you know, it's, it's like apple to oranges. Okay. So I guess I am saying it's because it's Grant Morrison. Um, I just couldn't get into it. Could not get into it. I was not enthused about they, okay. They, he brings in some Kryptonians, that Superman's all happy to see, and they're like, you know, they mock him and they kick him around a little bit, and they get sick and they're dying, and and uh, you know, in order to save them, they they send them to the Phantom Zone, so you know they live happily ever after in the Phantom Zone, and I don't know, folks, it was just, <clears throat> it was. I mean, you, you could watch it, and you may totally enjoy it, and that's cool. But for me, I just did not dig it. Um, the concept, the initial concept I thought was good, but I would have liked to have seen more and to, like, um, you know, why 
is Clark Kent still 25 years old and everybody's okay with that? And if that is, why is Lois Lane still 25 years old and everybody's okay with that? Um, you know, there was really no talk about after the, the Kryptonians, you know, they, they kind of rummaged through the city. Um, you know, no one talked about, oh, what happened to the Kryptonians? They just disappeared and everybody was like, oh, okay, bye. Um, you know, there was a lot of plot holes in that story. And again, I, I don't feel it was the screenwriter's fault because it's an ad- adaptation. And if the adaptation has lots of plot holes, you know, you're just, that's what's going to happen. And um, so there you have it, guys. I, I, I give, let's see, how am I going to rate this? The Batman Dark Knight Return 1 and 2, I both give them four and a half stars apiece. And uh, Superman All-Stars, I give it like a two, two stars, maybe two and a half. Um, You know, and and go check this out. If you guys got Netflix, you can definitely go check out Superman All-Star because that's where I've seen it. Um, Netflix, you can go stream it. Or... Like out the other two videos, you can go to Amazon. Um, you know, the Amazon has streaming video. You can pay three bucks to watch it. Um, and while you're there, you might as well just shell out the other six bucks and watch The Dark Knight Return because uh, let me tell you, it, it's worth it. It really is worth it. And uh, you, you guys can probably figure out what I've been up to for last week. I haven't done crap, just sit around and watch, you know, cartoons. Um, <clears throat> I'm almost tempted to pull out my old comic book box but and maybe one of these days I'll I'll take a picture of it and put it up on the forum and show you guys this thing is huge it's like a hundred something pounds it's just it would take a lot of effort to get that out of there and, and get into the room and look through it so with that um, I don't know I, I, that's just pretty much what I've done this week is you know, sat back and watched cartoons and really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I watched some other Batman uh, cartoons online as well. Uh, Brave and the Bold. Um, I, I heard about these two really good episodes, so I watched the final episode of Brave and the Bold. That was that was okay. Uh, I'm a big uh, Paul Dini fan. I think he's a brilliant writer. Um, that was it was okay. Um, I'm not really into campy Batman, but it was okay. Uh, I liked the way it ended. That was really good. And then um, there was one, goodness, I can't think of it, where Bruce Wayne comes face-to-face with the murderer of his mom and dad. And um, that was, again, written by Paul Dini. And that was really good, even for how campy it was. It was was really good. very <clears throat> go online um, actually what you can do if you guys want to see it you can go to Wikipedia type in Batman Brave and the Bold and cl- you know click on the lists of episodes and type in uh, you know bat- uh, parents killed and it will take you to the name of uh, that episode 
Jen just Google the name of the episode, and, and I'm sure you know a website will pop up, YouTube or something. You can watch it right off of you know YouTube or whatever. And, and it's you know 22 minutes. It's you know not that long. You set through it. It's enjoyable. Uh, let's see what else have I done? Uh, that's pretty much it. I've been watching, like I said, a lot of cartoons. Um, working up the the courage to bust out the comic book box. Um, I don't know. I don't know when I'll do it. It's it's there though. It's it's going to be an undertaking, but I think I'm going to go with it, you know, and, and bust it out and and get back into it. Because if, if anybody that's been following who's the boss for the last you know several weeks, you know that's kind of where I'm at right now. Is I want to just enjoy things, you know, not look at it as a business aspect or anything like that, I just want to enjoy it, I just want to watch TV, watch cartoons, read books, you know, listen to music, and, uh, you know, that's that's where I'm at right now, and, you know, podcasting with my friends, that's, <clears throat> that's all I really want to do, you know, as far as endeavor-wise, um, you know. Life is good right now. I mean, other than the fact that my kids and my my wife are sick, and uh, hopefully they'll be getting better here soon. Um, you know, so maybe by next update, I'll I'll give you guys you know and tell you if they're still sick or if they're better. But other than you know everybody being sick, you know things are good right now. I don't have nothing to stress about. I don't have nothing to worry about. And um, you know that's. That's where I'm at, and that's where I want to be at. And, you know, if I want to sit and spend all day watching cartoons, you know, I should be able to do that without having to to pay some type of consequence. Um, I don't know. You know, who knows? I've been thinking about this. Maybe I'll go and see if I can bust out some old, like, Thundercat cartoons that that'd be cool to do uh you know get back into the old 80s cartoons maybe find some robotech that'd be fun um (laughs) maybe maybe actually do some writing do something creatively you know and and i said this i think i said this to my wife uh not too long ago i said at this point in my life i think i would rather be entertained than be entertaining and uh you know that's that's what I'm doing. I'm definitely being entertained. Uh, so, you know that's where I'm at. And if you guys have any you know comments or anything, go to the forum. Give me an earful. If you have any like cartoons that you think I should definitely watch, you know, let me know. I'm I'm constantly looking for for new stuff. I mean, shoot, my daughter and I sat and watched this. Uh, one cartoon it was I think it was an indie cartoon it was did CG done but it was really good um, you know so I, I'm just looking at the stuff to watch at this point um, so that's pretty much it I, I appreciate you guys letting me sit around and yap about you know Batman and Superman for the last hour it's it's been fun and you know if I can find time I think I'm actually going to watch it again to be honest with you but uh, that's it for this week folks and come back next week and I was going to say you know as we look for the to find the answer to the age old question but I think we found the answer and it's Batman I'm David K. Montoya folks 
Have a good night. And we're back. Educational? Educational. I said, well, he said, yeah, anything Batman related, I'm okay with. Yes. Uh, Superman, eh, he's okay. He's okay. I it said it's it's so hard to beat Superman, but well, yeah, even with a stick. Definitely a stick. I didn't know where I was going with that one. <laughs> I don't know either. People, I, you should see the disgusted look on my face. Right now. <laughs> Just topic change. There's a new Batman animated Son of Batman. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I think I did. I yeah, I did. You did? Yes, that's uh, Damian Wayne. That's right. Yes, that's uh, actually it's a very uh, adult um, uh, animated uh, feature. Oh, nudity? Yeah, sweet. Now I got to watch it. Yep, lots of blood, lots of violence. Said so you got some uh, no boobs, but you got some uh, some questionable scenes. I like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it, I liked it. it. It's it just keeps the uh, the Batman mythos rolling along nicely, and you get to see a little more of the uh, the Damien um, Talia uh, dynamic. I gotta check it out because yep, that, that follows the new Fifty Two, right? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Because I wondered if I get to watch it and then it's all changed. No, 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 no. It's it's, it's it, everything. I think now is really tied in well with the fifth, the new fifty two. So whatever they're going to do now is current canon. Cool. Yeah. So it, it's a good one. You like this? So what do we got next there? Our next one is way back in the vaults with uh, when in Burbank. This is episode number nine. Sadie and Dave dive into a deep conversation about how in some countries, parents must choose from a list of names to name their child and the right we have as U.S. citizens. And is the government trying to slowly take them away? Yes. I agree. But let's listen to the episode anyways. Why? We just discussed it. Well, no, no, no. We say we have to listen to the episode, then we can discuss it. Oh, that's right. Dang it. I was all ready to go on to the next one. No, no, no. And so we've got a lot of show to fill. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. So let's play the episode. When in Burbank, number nine. Welcome to Win in Burbank. I'm David K. Montoya. And I am Miss Sadie Burbank. How are you doing this week? I'm good. I'm good. Cold and snowed. I didn't get no snow. Ha, ha, ha. I did. Well, I got enough snow that I could say it snowed. But, I mean, it... When, by the time I got up, we got up early this morning because we had dental appointments, and by the time I got up, it was not as much as it probably was when it stopped snowing, you know, because the sun was up and, you know, it had started doing some melting. But when I came over here this evening, we still had, in the shady spots, we still had the the little bit of dusting that we had gotten, so it was enough that I could say, it's snowed at my house. That's cool. Yeah. It's just, it got wet here last night uh, when I got up this morning to take Jay to school. Literally, the car was covered in probably an eighth of an inch of ice. Yeah, yeah. So that was fun, chiseling through all that. Oh, yeah. Well, Ernie's got that stuff that you squirt onto the windshield. It's, it's, I don't know if it's alcohol or what it is, but whatever it is, it instantly melts the ice off of the windshield so you can run your wipers and stuff and right. and go to work. I, I have a scraper somewhere. Oh, yeah, but the, the scrapers kind of actually need this little extra help, especially if it's a real thin layer mm-hmm. because it really doesn't scrape all that good. But if you squirt this stuff on that makes slush out of whatever's on the windshield. 
you know, then you can scrape it all off. Some type of chemical reaction. Yeah. It's kind of like turning on the heater and letting it run, you know, which also works, but right. it's time and gas to do that. <laughs> so, but the, the stuff's called, I don't know what the hell it's called, no frost or some shit. Who knows? And, you know, you just squirt it on and it, it gets weird looking. It's all wet right away, but it's not water wet. Because if you put water on it, A, you can get more ice, and B, you crack your windshield. Yeah. So, not a good thing. So, but anyhow, yeah, it's it's winter, and I and I like snow. I I don't want I don't want to be snowed in, or anything like that. But I like to see some snow now and then. You know, I don't want like Terry's got snow up his hoo ha. I don't need that. Well, yeah. In, in fact, I was going to say, you know, our, our friend Terry, who lives in Idaho, um, from what I understand, the highest he's been. I, no, I talked to him today, in fact, and he said this was the highest temperature-wise, mm-hmm. and that's 20 degrees. Okay, oi, oi, oi. 20 is a nice number for a lot of things, but not the daytime high. No. No, <laughs> no, 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 20 is not, that's not even decent. Uh, and I suppose he's butt-deep in snow, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they already saw something that said it had snowed in Spokane. And, really? Well, yeah, either last night or today, or both. And I said, well, then that means Terry's going to get it. You know, yeah. Because he's, he's up in the northern part of Idaho, isn't he? Um, no, he's more mid. Mid, mid-level? Mid Yeah. Because uh, Spokane, if you drive, uh, t- I think it's 26 miles, or is that Catalina? 26 miles across the sea? Yeah. Okay, some miles from Spokane to Coeur d'Alene. Okay, which is the border town, sort of, of right. Idaho. It's like straight shot east. And pretty much whatever happens in, in Spokane is going to happen in, in Coeur d'Alene. Right. And that's the panhandle part of Idaho. So, you know, it's another few minutes and you're in Montana, basically. I, I always wanted to go to Montana. Been there. Like it. Been to the been to Billings been to the Montana portion of uh, Yellowstone. You ever been to New Haven? New Haven, Montana? Yeah. Nope. I don't think I have. I don't know. Where is it? It's it's actually really northern. Oh, yeah. No. Because in the story of the end, that's where they're, when they say they're going to Haven, that's that's an actual place. It's New uh, Haven, Montana. Oh no, I I don't I don't think I've ever been there. We used to fish a lot in Montana with my dad when I was a kid. We used to go fly fishing. Well, the whole family went, but Dad and I fished, and we fished this river called the Swan River, which is still there. And I used to be able to catch a limited trout on a fly rod faster than my dad. Really? Yeah, I was a good fisherman <laughs> when I was a kid, eleven years old. I was doing that. That's Jaden's age. Yeah, we had a lot of fun fishing in Montana. Scared the shit out of us. One night we were there, um, the friends of my dad and moms that used to like to go and do stuff with us, you know, and then my, my brother was five years older than I was, so he never went anywhere with us, you know, he was busy. Off doing his own thing. Yeah, he was busy being cool. But uh, we all were in this cabin together, and there was a thunderstorm. Well, I'd heard lots of thunderstorms. At, by the age of 11, never one that was overhead. And I want to tell you, that scared the crap out of me. That was the loudest thunder I think I've ever heard in my entire life. It was it was insane. 
And it's, it really literally scared. You know, Mom gives me this crap about, oh, that's God rolling barrels around in heaven. I go, give me a break. <laughs> No, Mom, I'm sorry, I'm a little too old for that one. Okay. How old were you? Eleven. But it just scared the big Jesus out of me. I don't know what I thought was happening, but it just, it, I'm that way with loud noises. Jet airplanes do the same, have the same effect on me. Mm-hmm. I got behind a jet one time, um, I forget what airport we were in. I think it was uh, Lindbergh down in uh, San Diego. And um, I got behind a jet that was, you know, Going right, not taxiing, but taking off. Not when I mean, not behind it, but right, right. No, I knew close enough behind it. The noise brought tears to my made me cry, really. Yeah, and just just because of the noise, I don't know what it is with me and noise, but noise scares me enough that it makes me cry, even as an adult. It's weird. Uh, the first time we experienced like a real true thunderstorm, mm-hmm. uh, Lacey and I were like 19 or 20. We were in Arkansas. Mm. And they have good ones there, too. It boomed so hard. Mm-hmm. I was actually worried that it was going to blow the windows out. Yeah, yeah, it can do that. It can it can really... And I, I, like I said, I don't know what I expected to have happen, you know, but it, at that, it's sort of a... An animal reaction, I guess you'd say, guttural reaction, primal reaction, just to the noise. Yeah, because, you know, you know, I was making crosses, and I'm not even Catholic, and, <laughs> and, and Lacey's like, ooh. <laughs> she loves thunderstorms. She will. She will. Well, I like them, too. We used to go sit um, in uh, Albuquerque. We used to take the dogs, pile in our van. We, at that time, we had, well, was, you know the Dodge van that's sitting in the backyard at the house? Mm-hmm. That Dodge van. Pile the dogs and the kid in the Dodge and go up to the top of Sandia Peak, which is uh, roughly 14,000 feet, and sit in, and park so that we could look out over the town of Albuquerque, which was a great view anyhow, and watch lightning storms. It used to be so much fun because they have a lot of lightning storms there. And um, it, it, it's not just the forked stuff that hits the ground. This stuff travels along the sky for a while, you know, and it, it's, yeah. oh, they're gorgeous to watch. Really pretty. And we <laughs> we pack a, a thermos of coffee and, and a bottle of brandy and go up and sit and drink coffee and brandy and watch the thunderstorms and stuff <laughs> and then sober up and come home. They're easily pleased. No. <laughs> Again with Lace, she I remember a couple times we lived out there, she woke me up in the middle of the night. You know, come on, let's go outside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they're 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 neat to watch, especially the electric storms are neat to watch. Yes. In the mountains, in the trees. They're not so cool. Right. (laughs) Trees can go boom and fall down and hurt you. But when you're you know, safe safe so to speak, safely away from the danger, you know, and it's really cool. And if we had the skill, we'd have photographed them. Lacey probably would have loved that because she likes to photograph. Yes. But uh, neither one of us had the skill nor the inclination or even thought of it probably at the time. We were doing good to think of the coffee and brandy and the kids and the dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much in that order. But uh, uh, how did I get from fishing in Montana to watching the thunderstorms? Well, because we're talking about, initially we were talking about weather. Oh. Yeah, that's right. We were. The snow. So, it's okay. 
We, we have we are known for our. We do ramble. <laughs> Lord, we do ramble. I was reading today online. Um, you know, for here in California, they're they're trying to figure out how to balance the budget, and I, I don't. You know, to me, overspending just kind of you know pops in the mind to fix the budget, but you know. That's just me. Um, so, Especially overspending within the government. Yes, but, that, that's what I meant. Yeah. But, uh, of course, now they're, they're, and I don't understand why. You know, of course, now they're going to start doing the cutbacks. And the first thing they do is they go straight towards education. Yeah, and, you know, with, with the lottery here in the state, I, 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 I don't see that having a terrific impact on the schools. It may be. I'm not privy to that information. But, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense to have the lottery make contributions to the educational system in the state well, and then have the state take away their support. Unless they're thinking, well, the lottery is taking care of it so we can withdraw some of our support. True. But I, I doubt that's what they're thinking. I don't know what they have to choose from that they would pick on the schools first. They have military. They have right. to worry about military. Of course, the military goes first, always. You know, I mean, that's just the way this country is. Military, industrial, no, get me started on the MIC, okay? Okay. Okay. Um, and then the the uh, economic programs. Yes. The medical and the, the food stamps and the housing and, you know, all of that for, for economically challenged people. Um, and then schools pretty much is, I guess, the three main concerns in this state anyway. My <laughs> Certainly the roads conditions in this state are not a concern. Oh, my God, for reals. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you, you know that just driving to my house. Oh, God, we were driving. Yeah, but we were, we were, remember I told you we went to the movie Saturday, uh, what day, Saturday. Yeah. And we drove down the 15th. Okay. Now, I, I grant you they are working on it. But we drove over some of it they worked on. <laughs> past tense, okay? It was worse. And, yeah, because they they added a lane, and then they they took up all the lane markers, you know, the little humpty dump things that you bump, bump, bump over. Right. And, and uh, I don't know, whatever, whatever they do to get the paint off. But they, but, but they still have, you can still see where the lanes were, and then they put the things... Pardon me, where the new lanes are supposed to be. Well, if the sun is hitting it right, you can't tell where the hell you're supposed to go. Ooh, that's It's dangerous. scary and very, very scary. I told her, I have no idea how they're keeping from, you know, how can the state allow this to be a finished product? Right. You know, he goes, well, he says, you know, they don't care. I said, Caltrans doesn't care. No. But the state should care. Yeah. Because I'll tell you what, if I have an accident on that freeway in that section because somebody sideswiped me, I'm going to be suing their ass. Yeah, state. Absolutely. Along with Caltrans. Because it's like um, when you drive over on um, Green Tree, mm -hmm. going towards Costco. Yes. Okay. But, uh, but before that, between Hesperia Road and... Uh, where you go up the hill to the golf course in that one section there. Okay, that's still that's Green Tree. That's still Green Tree. Yes. Okay, you go past the um, <clears throat> apartment house where our friend lives, and Tina lives there. And hi, Tina. And um, and then the post office and stuff like that, right? Right. So 
you're bumping along and every, I don't know, 13 and a half feet or something is a mend in the road uh-huh. or needs to be. I don't know which it is. And it goes, bubble, bubble, bubble. And this is, this is a new, relatively new road. Right. And I, and I told Ernie one day when we were driving across it, what part of this road made those Caltrans guys say to themselves, well, there, we're done with that one. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and, I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. But anyway, I actually used to take that road when um, because it, you ride straight up and you can hit Mariposa from there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, when Comic Plus was open, it was on Mariposa Road. Mm-hmm. I used to actually take that road to hit Mariposa. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I yeah, it's ugly. About. It's ridiculous. And, and and don't you wonder? You know, yeah, just... when they got all done, they said, "Ah, oh, good job, Harry. Okay, see you Monday." You know. <laughs> Do they drive on that road? Do they drive on that road? They're probably not even local. No, they're not. I'm sure. They're probably not. You know? It's like, dude, I don't know anything about asphalt and concrete. But damn, I'd, I'd find out before I started putting it down on the ground for people to drive on. You, you know? Yeah. I don't think it would be important to find out. It's like uh, the intersection at uh, uh, Mariposa and Bear Valley. Where it used to have the bumpies, remember where, because the semis would come off the freeway and they'd go for that intersection mm-hmm. with the lights and the light would change before they'd have a chance to slow down. In the summertime, they'd hit their brakes and they'd literally push the asphalt up into bumps. Yes. And it's like, what in the hell were they thinking putting asphalt there? <laughs> they put concrete out on the freaking roads where it doesn't last, but they won't put it in an intersection where it's appropriate. No, they did. They finally did. They did repair that particular part of that intersection and put concrete there. I haven't been over in that area oh, in a long time. It makes me. It makes me angry because I'm a dumb old lady and I know better. <laughs> it's not even my business, and I know better than that. Why don't they? I don't know. A, a city <laughs> developer, I'm thinking. Ah, nah. It's probably nobody. Nobody. No checks and balances. You know, hey, Harry, we need a road bill. Okay, I'll be right there. You know. That's pretty much it, yeah. How much you going to pay me? Oh, as much as we can get out of the city. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got those stupid red light cameras. We, <laughs> they're getting rid of those, though. So. Are they? They've gotten rid of several of them. And they're still holding on to some of them, but they, they've gotten rid of several. No, that was decided that it was a violation, wasn't it? Some type of violation? Is that why they get At rid least of? one. At least one violation I can think of. Really? And not only that, but they're stupid, in my opinion, because if everybody else drives the same way I do, they slam on their brakes when those yellows turn because you don't want to get caught. And my my husband keeps telling me, it's okay if you enter the intersection on yellow. And I go, I know that, but I don't trust them. No. Yeah. And people get rear-ended all over the place for it. You know. Well, that in California law says that you also, even though, okay, for example, say you're going 45, but you, and you're in a line of cars, mm-hmm. and they're going 60, mm-hmm. California law says that you have to go 60 miles an hour, mm-hmm. or you're holding up traffic. And, and well, get actually, a- actually, here's an interesting thing, because I just had to do my driver's license last September, because it came around time again, right? Uh-huh. 
And I actually, usually I just do it through the mail. Right. But now that I'm old, they think I've gotten brain dead or something. And so they're like, oh, you better come in. We better make sure you can still look and see and talk and everything like that. You know, so, okay. So I go in. But first I get a, uh, download the handbook. Right. I'm not stupid. I know there's some laws that changed since the last time I studied a handbook and took a test, right? Right. And I like to be prepared. I don't like nasty surprises. So I downloaded the thing, studied the sucker left and right and everything else. Took the test. One of the questions I missed was either I didn't pay attention to it in the handbook or it wasn't in the handbook. I don't remember now. But it was if you're driving in heavy traffic, uh-huh. should you, and you're in, uh, I don't think it specified what lane you were in. Should you drive the posted speed limit? Or the tra- or the the uh, amount of speed that everybody around you is traveling. What is your answer to that? I would go with B. Go with the speed that the amount of every- that everybody's doing. You know right. what the right answer is? The posted. Yes, that is the right answer. And I'm like, but that's so stupid. What if I'm doing 45 because it's posted and everybody around me is doing 60? Right. And I can't get over because they're all going damn fast. So I go 60. Now I'm breaking the speed limit too. Right. Okay. To get over so I can do the posted speed limit. Basically, that's what they want you to do. That makes no sense. I know. Hey, they don't claim to make sense. They just make the laws. You know. Speaking of which, we're back to why. what, what is Moonbeam going to do to uh, solve the budget? problems in California. Oh, okay. Moonbeam being our beloved governor, <laughs> Jerry Brown, who used to be known as Moonbeam when he was governor back in the 60s, 70s? 70s, I believe. Yeah. Uh, when he and Linda were a thing. One of the things that he's going to do, obviously, is he's going straight to education, and other than you know, cutting from special education, and, and you know, I'm a big advocate when it comes to special education, uh, but I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> um, We're being so good tonight, not getting into anything. I know. And uh, they're cutting more arts and music. And I don't know. It just, to me, it seems like why why is there discrimination made that artists and music and musicians why are they not as important as anything else I, I i'm not sure they think it's that they're not as important i think generally the assumption is and i'm not saying it's correct i'm just saying that generally the assumption is they're not wage earning areas of expertise comparatively speaking now we have lots and lots of artists, musicians, actors, and so on, especially in California. Oh, yeah. And a lot of them are wage earners, big, big wage earners, okay? But uh, on, a, on a numbers basis, by the numbers, the number of people engaged in the arts and doing well financially, as opposed to the number of people who are engineers, scientists, doctors, um, airline pilots, um, bus drivers, manufacturers, you name it, who are employing skills they developed 
with educations in the sciences and the mechanical arts and uh, engineering field and so on, I think the numbers are not in balance. There are more people doing that making money than there are in the arts making money. And I think they think that if they cut back on the arts, they may be cutting out a part of your life that's important to you as a well-rounded person, but not necessarily something with which you can earn a living when you get out of school. Right. Now, I'm not sure that that's it. I'm I just mean, guessing. I, I can understand that, you know, but especially if you become a known artist, musician, actor, you know, you're set for life. Well, one would hope. That isn't always the case. Well, no. Well, unless, you know, you, you <laughs> get mean, addicted to blow. And... You, ha you have the, the whims of, of the public to deal with. You have the... Um, when, you, when you think about the various artistic genres, art is probably, you know, when, we, when I say art, I'm talking about, like, painting pictures and things like that right. kind of art. Um, that's probably the one where... No, that's not even true. I was going to say whether it's it stays pretty much the same, but that isn't true. It, it it's as wide and varied as anything else. Any other art, music is probably one of the hardest ones to to get there and stay there in. Right. Because um, just look at at all of the musicians that there are, singers and rappers and and horn blowers <clears throat> and pianists and whatnot. There are who are so talented. But they, they're constantly having to up their game to appeal to their audience or the audience of the moment, which is getting younger and younger and younger. Yes. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't think that once they've made it, they're necessarily assured of being able to rest on their artistic laurels. Um, it's, that's, that's a hard business to get into, get good at get noticed at, get recognized at, and stay afloat Afloat in. Yeah. I mean, unless you're a Spielberg. Right. And, you know, and there's only one of those. Um, so, yeah, I can, I can see where that could be a problem for people. And that's why I think a lot of times you'll hear people who are in those various fields say things like, yeah, my mom wanted me to uh, study math or something too because rocket science <laughs> yeah because she always said well you know in case you don't make it in music you can always become a math teacher or whatever right know? right so yeah there's uh, and there's something to be said for that you see a lot of um, I have seen a lot of of actors and so forth who have made it so to speak and have gone back to school and gotten degrees uh, one in, uh, comes to mind is um, Brooke Shields. Uh, she she was a, an actress since mm -hmm. she was a kid. Right. Uh, in movies, on television, and, and you know, very popular, very talented, has nothing but good going in her future. But she went back to college and got degrees. I forget in what. Um, I think Jodie Foster was another. And she does directing and whatnot. You I know, was going to say she's a director now. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people who have sort of maybe they kind of dropped out of the school scene early to pursue their love of acting or music or whatever, 
by the time they reached a certain age, something in them forced them to go back to school right. and get more of an education. Uh, what it was, only they could tell you, you know, whether it was a desire to have a backup plan or just because they felt they needed to learn more. You know, who knows? Well, hopefully Moonbeam will, you know, be able to, to do something. Maybe he won't cut it so bad. Speaking of Moonbeam and names, yes. um, you were just telling me right before we started podcasting, you had an interesting article about <laughs> names. Yeah, I did. I do. Um, now, this was, what newspaper was this out of? That was Daily Poop. Okay, because we have to give... Um, we have to give them credit. Actually, it's a, a reprint, so to speak. Okay. Yeah, we have um, to tell them where or what. Okay, this is out of the uh, Friday, January the 4th, 2013 edition of the Daily Press. And then the Victorville writer's Daily name. Daily Press. And the author is Anna Anderson, who's with AP, actually. Okay, Associated, Associated Press. Press. This is a reprint, almost verbatim reprint, because I, I uh, looked at it online as well. Okay. And it includes a picture, and it's uh, uh, above the picture. It says, "What's in a name?" and it has a picture of a girl and her mother. Goodness, that mother is. The girl's fifteen. The mother looks like she's about seventeen. But <laughs> <laughs> everybody looks good when you get old. Let's see. Icelandic girl fights for right to use her name. They are taking legal action. I don't even begin to try to pronounce these Icelandic names. Let's we'll go with the, the first name. Yeah, no, her first name is Blair. It looks like Blair. B L A E R. And then the other one's the mother's Bjork, and right? Bjork, yeah. And we only know that because of who's, the, the singer, yeah. Well, or the tennis player, Bjork. Well, yeah. That's What's his too. face? Sorry, sir. I can't remember your last <laughs> name. Um, and I'll read the the. Um, what do you call it? Under the photo? The byline? Yeah. Well, no. The What do you call it? Under the photo. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Blair and her mother, Bjork, are photographed outside a court building in Reykjavik. I think I pronounced that right. I saw a movie about that one time. Reykjavik, Iceland, on Sunday. Blair is bringing legal action against the Icelandic government to allow her to use her name. Her to not them, yeah. Right. Her to use her name, which is not on the list of 1,853 government-approved female names in Iceland. There are 1,712 approved male names. When I first read that, I went, "Huh? What?" So I read the article. I don't. Should I read the article? You don't have to. You can just give us like a. Okay. Well, basically, what it says is that they won't let her use her name, Blair. <clears throat> right. Because, uh, let me see if I can find just exactly the way they say. Because this is more general about why they don't allow it. Right. Let me see if I can. She's got. She she did some <clears throat> her homework today, folks. She's... Yeah, I went online and downloaded a whole bunch of stuff about Iceland. Uh, let's see. Her name means light breeze in Icelandic. So the word is not an unheard of word in Iceland. 
Okay, so it's an actual Icelandic. It's an actual term, word, that means light, light breeze. breeze. Okay. But it's not on the list that's approved by the government. The list of names. The 1,853 names for right. girls. So, some of this doesn't even hold water with this. Okay. <coughs> like a handful of other countries, including Germany and Denmark, Iceland has official rules about what a baby can be named. That's crazy. In a, king, in a country comfortable with a firm state role, most people don't question the personal names register. That's all in caps, by the way. Personal names register. The list of the 1,720 male and 1,853 female names that fit Icelandic grammar and pronunciation rules and that officials maintain will protect children from embarrassment. Parents can take from the list or apply to a special committee that has the power to say yay or nay. Um... Mm. Okay, so anyway, I... Um... So just to, just to sum it up, though, what's going on is this little, or, well, yeah, she's a little girl from Iceland. Her name is Blair, that we believe it's Blair, which means light breeze in her language. They're saying that she cannot go by this name because it's not approved on the list of government-approved names, right? Yep. She said, the mother said she didn't even know this until, um, she didn't know the name wasn't on the register until after she was baptized by the priest. Uh, he later informed her that he had mistakenly allowed the name. So she was baptized with this name. Okay. Right. But he, he, the priest, goofed because he didn't realize it wasn't on the list either, apparently. I had no idea that the name wasn't on the list. The famous list of names that you can choose from. So that's what her mother said. Uh, and then they give examples of people who uh, currently um, are. They apparently they uh, they don't use last names like we do in this country. They use first names. Right. Everything's. Uh, and with a limited number of them, I guess it makes sense. I don't know. Um, I downloaded information about. Icelandic names and how they're picked and why they're picked um, because I was I was trying to read past the crap in the paper because uh, a lot of times newspapers and or articles they reprint um, sometimes sort of skim over the surface and go for the sensational approach right and when I first read it I was incensed I, I was like what I, I mean, I really, I was just, I was appalled. I couldn't, I couldn't believe what I was reading. So I thought, maybe there's more to the story right. than, than we're getting out of the paper and the uh, AP article. So I went, I went to, well, first I looked up the article online, and there it was again. But I, I delved into Iceland and what they're, they're doing. Why are they doing this? And they have a really complicated, involved, several pages long list of uh, justifications for naming the children of their country, one of the 1,853 or 1,712 names that are approved by 
the Icelandic Naming Committee. And the the reasons all kind of make sense. One of them, interestingly, though, says that they can't name their kid uh, a name that's not on the list because um, the letters in the name wouldn't be in their alphabet. But that's not true because her name has a meaning right. in Icelandic language. So that isn't the case. In this case, it's just because it's not on the list. And there's this committee who can say yay or nay to her about whether or not she can be named what her mother chose to name her at birth and or soon after that and when she was baptized. So it got me to, to remembering a lot of the uh, historical past where this country... And the founders of this country found themselves in the position of uh, having to do everything the government said or die. Right. Which is why some of us came here in the first place. Some of us <laughs> were here to start with. <laughs> now I'm going to eat the Chippewa in case anybody's picking up on that. Uh, but, uh, and then more recently, um, the governmental influence isn't a strong enough word and control isn't a comprehensive enough word but both of those together kind of say it right um, that that overtook not only the country of Germany but uh, parts of Russia and France and Italy as well and more um, i.e. the axis yeah by by having real good justification for the rules they decided they were going to impose on people. And by people listening to the to the justification, the rationalization, going, oh yeah, well that kind of makes sense. Okay, well then I guess I see why. And it, it, it made me remember how lately a lot of us have been um, real upset with people shooting people. And a lot of us have been saying things like, well, what we need to do then is get rid of the damn guns because that's the problem. And a lot of us are saying, yeah, you know, God, that's right. If the people didn't have the guns, they wouldn't be killing the kids. And I think that's wrong. Because I think the people will be killing the kids. If they don't kill them with guns, they'll kill them with knives or they'll poison them or they'll stomp them to death. People are going to kill kids are going to kill kids. Right. One way or another, in the first place. In the second place, they're probably still going to do it with guns, just because it's no longer legal for me to have a gun and 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 enjoy my constitutionally provided right to keep and bear arms. It's not going to keep some asshole from going out and shooting kids. He's right. going to do it, regardless. Regardless. So this is not the time for me to be willing to say, "Yeah, let, let me give up that constitutionally guaranteed right." You're, you're right. I, I don't want anybody, you know, and I don't want anybody going out and killing kids with a gun. But by God, they're not going to take my protection away from me on, on the assumption that that's going to stop it because it isn't going to stop it. Um, why does somebody want to take my guns away from me? Do we want to get paranoid about all that? We could. 
we could, you know, we could, we could look at a lot of the laws that we have lately and we could wonder why we have them. And sometimes I think, now the 60s are coming out in me here again, but sometimes I think that some of the laws we have are there so that later it can be said, well, we've always done it that way. Right. That's, you know, it was, it was a good law when it was enacted. It's still a good law. And they're not. They're not. You know, we're a heartbeat away from um, not being able to travel from state to state without papers. Yeah, I've heard, of, I've heard that. My dad, who died in 1990 when he was 80 years old, every time he'd go through the, the state line food checker over here where they, did you bring any bananas with you? You know, right. shit like that. Where did you come from and where are you going? They used to ask. And he'd say, Constitution of these United States guarantees me the right not to have to answer that question, sir. What else do you want to know? <laughs> every time, every freaking time he went through there, he said that. And they'd go, uh, but, uh, but, have you got any bananas? You know, or whatever. <laughs> right. But he was right. And when they, and if you ever get stopped at a state border and they ex. I'm not talking about Canada to the U.S. or Mexico, but, you know, um, Idaho to Montana, South Dakota to North Dakota. You ever get stopped by somebody who says, where have you been and where are you going? The Constitution of these United States guarantees you the right not to have to answer that question. A lot of people don't know that. No, they don't. Which isn't one of the arts. True. So maybe we need to be teaching our children the important things that they need to learn first. And if there's money and the time left over, we'll teach them the stuff that's extra after that. Maybe. Maybe not. I, it, I wanted my children to know. <clears throat> I, I wanted them to understand. I wanted them to be able to communicate via the written and spoken word. I wanted them to understand what was happening to them and why. Right. I wanted them to question when something was done or said or implied or pushed on them. I wanted them to understand what it was, truly what it was, not to the person pushing, but to them, the pushy, as it were. You know. And if in the meantime they learned how to play the drums and became part of a band, terrific. So, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm not saying that the arts are not worthy or anything like that. I'm just saying if, if they have to cut in the schools, let's, let's, let's cut the stuff that isn't going to help our people our children become adults responsible capable thinking adults I don't know I personally I, I think that there's there's a happy medium for everything that's just my logic I would like to think there's a happy medium for everything unfortunately I don't believe that's true I think that's an idealistic approach to life there isn't a happy medium for anything what there is is are you willing to fight for it are you willing to get out there and work for it to make it happen? Well, Where's you, the ha- who's handing you the happy medium? 
Where's that coming from? Well, how do I explain this without making myself sound like an ass? No, I'm just, <clears throat> I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. Where, where does the happy medium come from? It's... How is it evidence? Let me put okay, it that a happy a happy medium is something that just is not handed, and there has to be compromise on all scales. So it's something that you do have to fight for. You do, you do have to have compromise. You do have when you put as many people as close together as we have in this country, and particularly in this state, and even more particularly in the two or three counties around us. We got a whole bunch of people here. <laughs> Especially okay. just up here. Do you know that in New Mexico, it's one of the biggest land areas in the country, and the, the smallest per mile, per capita population. Uh-huh. It used to be, I think, when we left there, uh, if I'm not mistaken, there were three million people living in New Mexico, and one million of them were living in Albuquerque and the surrounding environs. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sparsely sparsely populated. Okay, that's not true in L.A. There were last time I heard fifteen million or so in in L.A. Well, just, and the basin, just up here in the high desert. Yeah, we've gone from what seven to nine or something. Yeah, million. Yeah, in the last few years. So when you put that many people together in one spot, basically one spot, you're going to have to do some compromise, and people are going to have to come to that happy medium but the way they come to that happy medium is they get out in forums together and they say some of them say i want this and the others say well i want this and they say well how many of you want that and how many of you want that right. you know and then you do that with voting yeah too well, let me know. say first off I, I wasn't saying anything to be easy if it if it's meaning and worthwhile you have to work and fight for it. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah. I, I taught that to Jaden. I'm going to teach it to Zoe. That's just, it's yeah. the truth. Yeah. But what I say by meaning happy medium is there's a compromise. You know, there can be a balance of the scale where both people can be happy. Well, I agree that there can be. I do agree there can be. I didn't say there was. I said that. There's... Yeah, you did. You said there's always a happy medium. Well, there is. There is a chance for a happy medium. There's a, a happy medium to be obtained, could be obtained. I don't think it exists, but I think we get as close to it in this country as we possibly can. And that's one of the things that I love about this country. It's just me. <laughs> There's one of the things that I love about this country is <clears throat> we have the right to stand up and bitch and moan and that's say, right. God damn that moonbeam, what the fuck is he thinking, you know? And we can say it out loud in public. We can't say it with all those colorful words I use, <laughs> but we can get up in front of him and we can say, Governor Brown, what in the world are you thinking? This is the stupidest thing you've ever come up with. We can do that in this country. As long as we keep those vital rights. We can name our kids Jaden and we Zoe. We can name our kids Jaden and Zoe, and we can spell it however we want. That's right. How many? There, I know of one, two, three, four different ways to spell Zoe, and yours is just one of them. Right. Okay. Uh, Jaden could be spelled two or three different ways. Yes. My name gets spelled a bunch of different ways. My real name gets spelled a bunch of different ways all the time. Um, and that's okay. I, you know, I, I, I live with that, you know. But if, 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 if someone had come to my 
mother after she was in labor 24 freaking hours giving birth to me and told her that they couldn't that she couldn't name me what she did I I, I, I chuckle when I think of what mother would have done to them literally physically you know because we've we've had we've had these free rights in our country for so long now that it it's insulting for us to assume that somebody can change that plan and take it back from us and they can if we're not careful if we give them the power and we let them make the laws that they want to make for the real good reasons then they're going to make laws that we don't want them to make for bad reasons and then we're all going to be wondering what the hell happened. How, what happened? How come I don't have my guns anymore? How come I can't name my kid Susie Q anymore? How come a lot of things that we have now that we won't have? You remember last podcast I was talking about how we're not the same as everybody in the world? And we're not. Right. And And that's... One way we got not to be the same as everybody in the world, because a lot of people in the world are in misery because their governments have subjected them to a life of poverty and anguish, and they can't get out of it because they don't have any legal rights anymore. And we don't, we don't want to, we don't want to go there. We don't want to be those people. We no. don't, we want our rights. We're too used. We're so used to our rights. We think we're, uh, we're born with them, and we are. You know, we are born with them. Interesting. Speaking of uh, newspaper articles and being born with rights, uh, I also. Ernie saw, or I saw, a, an article about the uh, increase in baby uh, tourism, they call it. Really? What's that? Uh, that's when people come here from other countries and give birth to their children here. I Yes. And I, they I, are then American citizens. They have dual citizenship. Yeah. And then they take them back home. And I started wondering, gee... If, if that gets out of hand, how many people from a given country could do that to the point that they then turn around and say, there are as many of them as there are us, and they're all citizens too. You know, I mean, that's an extreme paranoid... Yeah, but that's a scary thought. Interpret- it is a very scary thought. But um, fortunately, the one country that I was thinking of, China... That won't happen because there's so many Chinese that can't possibly all get over here. <laughs> Enough babies to really do any good. Right. Uh, North Korea, I don't know. No, I don't know how many people are in North Korea. Well, I do know, and I, I don't remember, I think I might have read it in like Time Magazine or some, you know, it was a magazine. It wasn't online. I remember actually reading. There's actual places in the United States that these people pay like buku mm. bucks mm-hmm. to come over. It's mm-hmm. almost like a resort. Yeah, yeah. That's that what they, they call baby tourism. That yeah. they stay yeah. for the nine months, mm-hmm. pop the kid, mm-hmm. and then... But they don't even have to stay the nine months from the way the article read. I don't believe they have to. They come over, pop the kid, go back. I don't know that they have. They may have to, but I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I think the law is pretty, pretty explicit on that. You're born here, you are one. You right. Know? 
And they didn't say anything about establishing any kind of temporary residency or anything like that for your mother. Well, see, and that that, you know. that opens the door to so many different things, too, mm-hmm. because, okay, for example, someone is born here from China. They go back to China, is raised, you know, in, in the, the society of, of, you know, a Chinese, the Chinese Republic. Mm-hmm. Come back to the United States and mm-hmm. say, "Well, I'm an American-born citizen, mm-hmm. and I'm run for public re- office. I'm an established residency, and I'm going to vote here, and I'm going to run for office, and yeah, a lot of it. And see, I don't Ooh, know. I write a story. We have to look. We have to look in the. We have to look it up to see what the the laws are. Or you could ask Trump. He's like, God, poor Obama and Trump. You know, Trump needs to get, take a vacation. I actually have Trump on my Facebook because I just find it so amusing. Oh, he is so disgusting. How, how is it, and I know we're about to make a big segue here. Yeah. How is it that he can run a multi-billion dollar business when he's constantly making YouTube videos? How is that possible? Oh, I don't know. And, and I mean, they are... Now, for some people... He probably has his peons running the businesses. Right. Yeah. But I was going to say, for some people, they take it very seriously. For me, I, I it's amusing. I think it's Does he? It's I don't even know he does YouTube. What does he do on YouTube? Oh, my gosh. He gets on there. I don't watch YouTube very often unless somebody says, oh, you got to go look at the cute little dog. You know, then I look. <laughs> the dog I'm dancing. Like, whatever. Um, he'll get on there and he'll pretty much slam the way that the government's ran. That's God bless him. He's entitled. It, it is his. It is it's his right. Given right. Well, but, it's his constitutionally given right. But I mean, he's constantly. It's. You would think he's the CEO of a massive corporation. That would be more of his priority than getting on YouTube and, and well, making videos. <sighs> Gee, I don't want to read his mind because it's probably slim reading. But. Um, <laughs> Didn't he want to run for office at one point, president? He was considering thinking about it. Yeah, and I don't know what changed his mind, but well, okay, let's let's play what if. What if Jay Z Jayzomon dot com uh-huh. was a multi-billion-dollar entity? Okay, and you run it, and the government's taxing you up one side and out the other, and you don't like it. But you know you don't have the skills to become president to fix it. Right. Uh, and you you don't want to get caught bribing your local congressman, senator, and governor, and everybody else to fix it for you. So what's another way to change the government powers, possibly some of the laws, without doing it illegally? Influence others. Mm-hmm. And what's a real good way to influence others these days? YouTube. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, since you brought up Jaiselmon. Yeah. And we're down to last like eight minutes left. Oh, okay. And since you are the executive producer of yes, the Jaiselmon cast, yes, um, we had two new shows launched this week. Yes, we did. Seeing Red and Sheer Darkness. Yes. And Welcome to both of those. And um, 
Who's the Boss, which I'm actually going to record tomorrow. I'm going to talk more about the, the scene, Red, and, and the whole live audience thing. and mm-hmm. How that was the first and absolute last time I'm going to do that. <laughs> but, it makes uh, you wonder how uh, Ellen DeGeneres does it, huh? Yeah. yeah. She's, she's, she's my, my beyond, beyond my favorite funny person in the world she's she's so skilled at at being funny and and interviewing a person and making it funny and fun with an audience there of course they're not participating except with their laughter and applause or hissing and booing which i've never heard them do but anyway well you know honestly for me and i'll just touch on this and then i'll go with what i was going to say i thought i was fairly Funny. I thought I was a funny person, but uh, that night I, I was taken aback, and and I guess I'm not as funny as you thought you were. Huh? But uh, you know, uh, hey, what were you doing? Trying to tell jokes or what? I'm just being my stupid self. Oh well, you know, here's the thing about being your stupid self. Ellen can get away with it because she's she's paid her dues. Right. She spent a lot of time telling jokes and being funny. Now she can just be herself, and everybody loves her, and and so they see her humor. They understand her humor. They've come to know her. Maybe the group here that night just didn't fall into that category. Uh, yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> that. That's a lot easier to accept than I'm just not funny. <laughs> But, well, you may be funny. Just you know, just pick well, the wrong audience. Well, because I I felt, and if anybody listened to the New Year's Eve, um, and, and you heard excerpts from mm-hmm. the New Year's show, mm-hmm. I I honestly, and I'm not being. I thought I was hysterical. I really did. I listen to it now. I start cracking up. You remind me of a drunk because I drive better when I'm drunk. <laughs> I was funnier and shit that night, you know. Yeah, but it, and and it was cute. It was funny. I don't know as I was on the floor in hysterics, but it was funny. It had its moments. I wouldn't have wanted it to go on forever, but it was it was enjoyable while it lasted. Um. So, but. Lesson learned, you know, and and so now you're going to talk about that on your on your podcast. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go into more in depth and and, and talk about Terry. Yes, yeah, um, but also with the two new shows, Scene Red, Sheer Darkness, we're going to have one more show launching next next week, which will be. Oh, forgive me, folks. I, I, at this point, I... We I, knew I, what it was a minute ago. Well, I know the show, but I'm trying to think about... Because we, we record in advance. I, mm-hmm. I have to kind of think about oh, where we're at in placement. Whether it's going to be next week or week after. Soon. Coming soon to your podcast locale. So, yes. So, it's a very high likelihood. By the time this gets out, um, there will be a new show. Uh, and it's called... News, views, and reviews with Reaper Rick, and he's an alter ego. We'll just leave it at that. Oh, okay. Um, trust me, alter ego. We'll just 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 go with it, people. And then, then here's one that you don't know about. Okay. I'm currently in the talks for a. It's called Sunday Sermons. Ah, real ones. Real. Yes. Very cool. And I proposed it on Sibling Rivalry before we closed up shop and took a poll. And surprisingly, no one said no. They weren't interested. Everybody that oh, voted yeah. voted yes, they oh, were yeah. interested. Yeah. So I'm trying to talk to somebody 
that could do it would would do it very well. Yeah. Um, they if have, you need an organ, let me know. I have an organ in my garage. I'm trying to get rid of. <laughs> you need background music. Okay. <laughs> and so, once because I'm fairly certain, so I'm going to say once that happens, mm -hmm. that means we have a full week, seven shows. <laughs> and very and cool. we were and we've been doing this. Well, we started recording at the end of October. You know, now we're into January, so it hasn't been only a few months, and now we've already got a full scale, you know, full lineup. And weren't we just talking last week about not doing so much stuff? I'm not doing that much. Well, who's going to do the Sunday sermons? Not me. Well, you just are you going to host it at all? Or no, what? I'm not involved. Oh, okay, so I you're mean, just going to do it's... it, and you're just going to have a podcast. Right. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. So I'm I'm going to be the producer of it. Cool. Um, just like how. With uh, the knees. What are you thinking? Like, like record a sermon in progress? You mean like in a real church while the preacher's preaching, or what? Um, I went to iTunes and I actually listened to some people, mm -hmm. almost like a Sunday school type mm -hmm. feel, you know, where someone's teaching from the Bible, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we recorded. Interesting. That's. A, I think that's a really good idea <clears throat> to round it out, especially since some of. <clears throat> My stuff is a little um, less than religious. Well, that, and I'm also in the talks for a, and I'll go ahead and drop it, it's called the Saturday Night Segments. Mm. And it's a gentleman that I know, I won't drop no names, what? he's out of Portland, Oregon. He owns a strip club. Woohoo! And we both agree. Sunday morning. <laughs> yes. And we both agree that I think it would be really fun radio, for better lack of, of what to call it. Yeah. To do something out of a show out of there every week. That would be fun. That would be fun. It would be real interesting. Get, get people back to using their imaginations. Yes. Yes. Like the old-timey radio shows used to do. Old-timey radio. We watched The Whistler the other night on, on uh, Turner Classic Movies, TCM. Yeah, I always get those confused. Um, TCM and AMC. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the actual Whistler, you know, where he... Right. I can't whistle, but, you know, he did it just like on the old radio... Well, you wouldn't know, but there was a radio show called The Whistler. And it was all what my mom and dad used to call beepy loos. <laughs> Who done it? Mom and Dad called them beepy-loos because the music they said went beepy-loo, beepy-loo, beepy-loo when it came to the part about who did it. Right, right. Anyhow, um, it was it was a, a murder mystery, you know, and who who did it and that kind of stuff. But it was really fun because it, it if you closed your eyes, it was like listening to the radio show, and the radio show was fun because you could imagine what was going on. You know, like the, the Lone Ranger. Yes. You used to listen to the Lone Ranger so, and, on the radio. And that's kind of where we're Even going. Even Superman. We yeah. listened to that on the radio. In the 40s. We didn't have to have... You don't have. You don't actually have to have a, a projection. You didn't have to have a, a video. I know that's hard to grasp for some of you, but trust me. If you if you try it a few times without something to look at in front of you, you'd be surprised your your imagination might able be able to fill in those blanks. Or read a book, you might actually be surprised how fun it is. There you go. All right, before we close it up, come back next week for episode ten. Yay! Of a milestone. <laughs> yes.
Uh, we haven't been kicked out of iTunes. For... There's something. <laughs> we will if we don't cut this off. Is Are we over our time limit? We, we are slightly over. Uh-oh. But that's okay, folks. We're just a couple seconds. But I'll see you next week. I'm David K. Montoya. And I am Miss Sadie Burbank. And don't forget, folks, what happens in Burbank ends up on a podcast. Good night. Good night. Oh. So, okay. Okay, you keep... Listen, that keeps getting lower and lower. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. There we go. Is that better? That's better. Okay. All right. So. Pesky volume. <laughs> so the government is definitely taking, slowly taking away our rights. Mm-hmm. And our left. <laughs> not us. Not you? No, not us. That's the American government. Uh, no, we actually, we're uh, speeding along the path. We are the 51st well. state, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Okay. So here that Texas <laughs> taking over is the biggest state. That's right. <laughs> We're freaking huge. Yeah. <laughs> in Japan. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's huge in Japan. <laughs> See how little that country is? It's easy. Like... <laughs> easy. Okay. Oh, uh, wait. We did that one already. What do you got next? Uh, our next one. I just brought this up for uh, fun and frolity. <laughs> is uh, Movie Madhouse Triple Zero. Oh. It's one of our specials. Ah, that's right. This one was in August of 2013, and this was our Firefly Serenity special. That was a fun night. Yes. So it ended up being a, a van load of us going to actually watch the Serenity feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one of the ones for the Cineplex Odeon was pick pick one of the features that you wanted to see kind of thing, and obviously Serenity won out over yes. a lot of things. So we got a van load of us, and we talked all things Firefly and Serenity related. All the way back. Yeah, there and back. Well, mostly back. Yeah. Because remember, we don't edit. That's right. <laughs> it's all Editing's one hard. cut. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, let's roll this one, and we'll uh, talk about uh, some Serenity and Firefly. Woo-hoo. Welcome to a very special edition of the Movie Madhouse. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I'm Jason Bashar. I'm Rob Bellamy. And I'm Mike Lukes. And this is the special Firefly slash Serenity episode. Yes. We so, just, just finished watching the Serenity. Yes. Just got out of the theater. Yeah. On the way back home. And uh, we're, we're not alone in the van tonight. So, say... We need our guests to say hi. Introduce hi. yourselves, guys. Hi, I'm Laura. I'm Taryn. Callie. I'm Xander. And that's everybody. There's yeah. seven of us crammed into this little VW bug. <laughs> <laughs> it's a clown car. <laughs> no, clown driving. Hey. hey. Oh. <laughs> Don't anger the driver. No. That is true. Generally not a good idea. <laughs> so, we all... Like all seven of us, pretty much spent the last week review, reviewing our uh, Firefly episode, or our last few days, or, in the case of a couple or of them. one yeah. day, or, or fourteen day. hours. <laughs> <laughs> that is some dedication to get, getting caught up on the uh, on the program. Absolutely, actually, I have to say, fifteen hours. The first episode's two hours. Yes, so yes. there. Yeah, but it's only forty-five minutes if you take out the commercials. Oh, that is true. So it's an hour and a half. So, okay, there's math involved. We'll just say 15. (laughs) (laughs) Numbers, 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 15. Exactly. So, let's break it down. Okay, we've got Nathan Fillion, Gina Torres, 
Alan Tudyk, Marina Bacarin, Jewel State, Adam Baldwin, Summer Glau, Summer Glau, uh, Sean Mayer, and got, was Ron that, Glass. Oh, and Ron Glass. Ron okay, Glass. I was going to say, was that nine? Did, 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 did. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we got to get all nine of them in yeah. there. So, it all kicks off with uh, the pilot episode. Now, if you watch the DVDs, you actually get to watch the series in the proper order that Joss Whedon exactly wanted them to be released in. When it was released on live broadcast, everybody knows they did the train job first, and that just screwed up the timeline from there. Exactly. Then they had to go back, and I think it was a two-parter for the pilot. Yeah, it was. Yep. Now, I didn't watch it when it originally aired, but I remember hearing very quickly about they ran it out of order, and then they kept, I guess they changed its time slot, and changed what night it was on. Considering only eight episodes ever aired, it's hard to screw it up in that amount of time. Well, leave, no it, kidding. leave it to Fox. <laughs> exactly. Fox will find a way to screw up any kind of uh, Joss Whedon programming, because they did the exact same thing with uh, Angel mm-hmm. and uh, Dollhouse. I, I don't know if he was, uh, Dollhouse was on Fox, but Joss just... I don't know, it's something against him that he cannot get a full series run of a fantastically written television program on. Well, I thought it was so funny. Fox says, we want a Joss Whedon show. He can whatever he wants, we'll put it on the air. So he gives them the show, and then they say, no, 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 we got to do it this way. You did it wrong, Joss. You wanted Joss for a reason, and then you mucked with it. And now you know they're kicking themselves. Oh, huge. I hope so, because the mouse is digging what Joss is bringing right now. Oh, huge. The box office and the theaters, and, you know, one of the most anticipated new shows to come out in the fall. Absolutely. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Zombie Coulson. (laughs) I'm still waiting for that. There's a nice picture I saw online. It's got uh, Joss Whedon, it's got Coulson, and it's got Nathan Fillion standing there together. And Josh is kind of holding his hand over uh, Coulson's eyes to disguise that it's Coulson. Okay. <laughs> and like I said, you, it's definitely the actor that played Phil Coulson. There's no mistaking the the bottom half of his face. Yeah. And Nathan Fillion standing there, and I'm just thinking, like, he's going to be on it too? Oh, that would be so Oh, cool. that would be awesome. Yeah, if Castle be- wasn't doing so good, I'd say yeah. Yeah, I know. What, what network is Castle on? Uh, TV. Do you know what network? Uh, ABC, I think. ABC? If it is ABC, then it could happen. I bet you... It could be some... Maybe not crossover, but he could... No, but you could probably see a a, a cameo. Yeah, because it's on Global in Canada, and that tends to be ABC in the States. I'm thinking they should have Malcolm Reynolds on the show. Uh, don't push it. But it'd be funny <laughs> if they did like a, a you know, a, a convention episode. They, they, something happens. They have to go to like a con, and he's there dressed as Malcolm Reynolds, but not as the actor. He's just a fan who's dressed like him. See, now that would be cool. That would be funny. Yeah. That all right. Let's get let's back back on track here for the uh, the Firefly Firefly Serenity extravaganza that we uh, <laughs> were telling everybody about. So. There was only, what, 14 episodes? 14 episodes. 14 episodes, 8 hit the air. What is your favorite episode of Firefly? 
That one's an Jason? easy choice for me. Go for Out it. Out of Gas, episode, I believe, eight. Uh, it's, a, it's a flashback episode. It shows how the crew comes together, when Mal- how Malcolm first gets Serenity, and how he slowly gets each member of the crew. I like that episode just for simply the way it's laid out, where it starts with him falling on the grates, bleeding, yeah. and then it pieces it together bit by bit. Stitching in the different timeline sort of way again. Yes. I don't know. See, I'd have to think, I think mine would be our Mrs. Reynolds. Yes, me too. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Taryn. Thank you. That's my favorite. That Saffron is an amazing character that could have gone in a billion different directions. Christina Hendricks, she's a hot commodity on TV. Hot commodity. What, easy on the eyes. <laughs> she's on Mad Men, right, Joe? Yeah. But she played such a character in that episode. You know, that soft, demure villager, you know, and then doesn't like a, know anything. And switch. She's a totally different person. With her confrontation with Anira, it was just on. Oh, yes. You're good. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Okay, Mike, what's yours? Uh, mine. I like the pilot. I really did. Yeah? Just because it was um, the introduction to the whole world. He... The way Whedon had laid out his vision of that universe, the first, mm-hmm. and he gave it to you so you knew exactly who everybody was yep. right off the hop. And when you were introduced to uh, Shepherd Book, you were thinking one thing. Yeah. When you were when you first saw Simon Tam, you're going, "Oh, intergalactic douchebag." Yep. So, <laughs> so it was the sunglasses. That's what it was. So you, uh, you kind of, you go in with a preconceived idea of kind of what everything is going to be and what it looks like, and then it slowly morphs into what it truly is. Yeah. And I'm going, okay, that's brilliant writing right there. So I have to go with the pilot episode strictly on being able to learn everything about everybody right off the bat. And you, you instantly start caring about the the, uh, the main cast. That is true. I, I will say I agree with you on that, especially Malcolm himself. Had, he has, like, different sides. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when he's all business, he's all business. And he, generally, he's a good-hearted guy. He's, he's straightforward. He's not going to just kill you blatantly. He's not a psychotic killer or anything like that. But he'll he'll take somebody out if they're in his way. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that episode really did show that right off the bat. Yeah. What oh. about back there? Anybody else got an episode they want to chime in about? Well, Josh Whedon on Reddit said that his favorite was Objects in Space. Objects in Space was Josh Whedon's favorite. That is good. That is the last episode. Yep. Right before the movie with the bounty hunter Jubal Early. Yes. Yes. Which you know, looking back at it with recent watches, it. It's the well, okay. The uh, the previous episode with the uh, where uh, River shot those guys like in defense of the ship or whatever. Oh, that's the uh, the Heart of Gold one. Not, oh no, no actually, no, no, even no. before that, when the Nishka's space station. War I can't remember the name of it. War stories. War that's stories. the one. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, but objects in space really really sets up for Serenity in a good way because you really get to see just how gifted. River is, yeah. and especially especially with the the psychic part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they had 
leading up to the end where they where they did the uh, aerial where they did finally Simon was able to get the information about what they did to River and then he was able to start working uh, medically towards helping her that's when he could see the switch in River into like the more lucid moments and the more deadly River than uh, the weapon what was it the, what we were used to yeah that's where I think Ariel was the one where they, Josh goes alright now we have to badass up River and he did that in spades with uh, oh, that those was... last three shows yes and then, of course, in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. The movie. <laughs> yeah, she does have a bit of fighting in that movie, doesn't she? Yes. Now, so, Xander, the, what's your favorite episode? Yeah. War Stories. War, War Stories is Xander's favorite? That is a good one. Yeah. Like I said, just saving Wash and, and uh, Malcolm from Nish, Nitska. Niska. Niska, there we go. Just saving those two. And, and, and the way Malcolm tries to help Wash... Stay. Stay. I'm gonna sleep. I'm gonna sleep with her. I'm gonna <laughs> take her to my bed. I still, I still like the scene when Zoe shows up with a bag full of money, and Niska's trying to get her to long drawn out process of <laughs> now which you one you must choose. choose. I'll take him. Yep. And He's gonna just, finish the sentence. Yeah. It's just he just out there, bang! I'm, I'm taking him. I think that shows like the true bond between Zoe and Wash because you don't really see the lovey-dovey in them in their marriage I think it shows that Zoe actually really does love him as like it's not just a fake absolutely and which which as we saw in numerous episodes that wow, that was Wash's contention a lot is would she choose Malcolm over him and with that with that action she proved that no he's number one but it also shows that she knows Malcolm can handle himself. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's you know? how I took it. Zoe saved Wash from a sure death. She yeah. knew Mal would be able to survive. Sure, he died, but they brought him back. But he wow. was able, able to overcome. I don't think Wash would have been able to. I just if, don't think he had the, uh, the fight. If Malcolm had been pulled out of there, he would have folded. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And like Zoe even said when she brought Wash back, she goes, Niska's going to want to keep him alive for a couple days. She already knew that. Yeah. And uh, was planning everything accordingly. Yeah. That's where That was a great recurring character. Would have been probably, I think it would have been really nice to see him in the movie at some point. Not quite sure where he would have fit in the story, really. But it would have been nice to see him again. That story arc actually brought about one of my most favorite scenes. Is at the very end of the train job. Oh, where, they, uh, where they have the guy on the ground. Uh, this is all the money. You give it back to him. The guy goes, keep it. You're going to need it because he'll find you. And they kick him. He goes into the engine. Splatter. They bring the next guy over. And Mal goes, this is the money. He goes, no, no, I'm with you. You're good. Yep, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> yeah. That was beautiful. Just excellent writing all the way around. That's um, the thing about Joss Whedon. He's, his scripts are not like what you'd expect. They're a little bit off kilter. They 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 banter a little more. It's almost natural. Yes. I'll touch I'll touch on the silly version, and it's they're just not normal. Like even just Malcolm's like not even I wouldn't even call them one liners. The way he reacts to things, like in the very first episode when he opens the crate and there's a body. 
there's there's river yeah. and his own reaction is Huh. Yes. This a simple thing like that. You don't see that in a lot of those shows. No. Mm-hmm. They always do like some sort of long speech or it's all like eloquent. Well, even in the movie, when he comes into the, the lounge there and Jane's all up in arms, he goes, what, you want to be captain? Jane goes, yeah. He goes, well, you can't. Yeah. Well, you know, like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Yes. Like I said, very natural conversation. They seem like real connectable people, even though it's placed almost 500 years Exactly. You can still manage to connect to them. Yeah. And their reactions. Like in our Mrs. Reynolds, when Saffron, now that you're done your dinner, do you want me to wash your feet? He doesn't say anything. He just looks <laughs> and just walks away. Exactly. <laughs> he has no reaction to that. Exactly. There was no banter, like you said, Jason. It's just the reaction. It, it all boils down to picking the right actor for that role. And Nathan Fillion as Malcolm Reynolds, I think to do that, he like he's always got a role for life. Everybody will always see him as Malcolm Reynolds. Yep. Just the same as you've got um, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, and so everybody on. has their role. Yeah. You just, I just can't see another actor bringing that kind of uh, cachet to the role that Nathan Fillion did to Malcolm Reynolds. He played... It, to me, it seemed like he was the everyman. Yep. And he's just trying to survive. He's doing everything he can to survive and keep everybody in the air and flying. And what will be to the person that crosses Mal or hurts his crew in any way? Exactly. Like you said, it's just looking after me and mine. But he is the everyman, and especially in the movie... He's he's not a tough guy, like not a tough fighter. He's great with a gun, yes, but he gets his ass handed to him a lot. <laughs> he just keeps getting back up. Well, you know, that makes him tough. Like he's gonna, he's gonna be the last guy standing in any fight that he gets into because he's so damn tough. Yep. Like he may not be the most physically intimidating guy. He's not Jane by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But he will beat Jane every time they fight because he will get up more than Jane will. Yep. That's my take on Mal. Oh, Mal. I believe it. Yeah. Well, Zoe, Zoe is probably the scariest of them all. Oh man, <laughs> yes. And like she's just—that's one one person you never see get angry. No, but right? it's a movie. No, and not even so much in the movie. Like, you, you see the darkness coming, but I don't think you fully see it. It's the quiet ones you have to be worried about. Right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Like, even again in the movie when they're in the lounge and Jane starts bad-mouthing the Battle of Serenity, she just says, you want to leave this room right now. Yeah. Because bad things were about to happen if Jane kept talking. Exactly. <laughs> and I don't think anybody can stop... Uh, Zoe, once she gets going, if, oh, no. if she really got going, I don't think there's any stopping her until she's dead. Nothing in the verse. Nope. Nope. No power in the verse can stop me. No. Okay, well, now, since we're going down characters, I guess you'd say Wash would be next. Wash. I love Alan, too. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen him anything I didn't love him in. He has a wit. Yes. I don't know if it's written for him or if it's him, but... His characters always have that wit. No, it's it's him. It's definitely the actor coming out. 
down, you know, uh, in the Knight's Tale. Oh <laughs> yes. Oh, he's he, he he just plays that bumbling, not not maybe not bumbling, but just uh, angry idiot. Yes. Pain, lots of pain. Yep, that's his not answer to everything. Ugly, but he's but he's ready for a fight. Don't cross him, and he's always hungry. Same in twenty eight days. Yes. Twenty eight days. Yeah. The recovering uh, alcoholic. Yeah, hurts. Yes. Uh, Can't keep a plan alive. Uh, Tucker and Dale versus evil. He was the straight man in that. That was fantastic. <laughs> that was a funny movie. I have you seen that? I have not seen oh, that you one. Have to see that. It's the psycho uh, psycho redneck psycho hillbilly kind of movie. Flipped it. Yes. Really? Yeah. Taken from a different perspective, a different yeah. angle. It's so well done. It is something like it is an original take on that. It's basically you have. Um, Alan Tudyk and oh, the guy that played the uh, the funny guy in Reaper, the big guy. Um, I I can never remember his name. He, his name his name was Sock on Reaper. Yeah, the best friend, the chubby best friend. I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. Like, but I, I cannot know remember his name. I can picture him. Never remember his name. Yeah. yeah, he hasn't done a whole lot. No, no, he well. In anyways, so they just play two good friends going up to uh, Alan Tudyk's. Uncle left him a cottage or something like that up in the woods, a cabin up in the woods. And they're going to fix it up because that's going to be their new hangout place. Well, they kind of run afoul of a of your SUV full of atypical horror movie uh, characters. The college kids out for a party. Yeah, you got your jock, your slut, the stoner, the, okay. the, everything. So they kind of run afoul of them at a gas station. And according to like every other crazy hillbilly movie, that's when the hillbillies start going after the kids for mm-hmm. revenge. Okay. Tyler Labine. That's, that's his name. It. Tyler Labine, yeah. Thank you, Tilly. So, they get to, Tyler and uh, Allie get to the cabin. They start fixing up the cabin. Well, the kids get, they do the thing and everything gets hot. And the one kid freaks out that, oh, I have a, those, they're in the and they're in the woods and they're gonna kill us. And all of a sudden, the kids start bumping themselves off in the most horrific ways. <laughs> it's all accidental. It's all accidental because they they think that they're the, the hillbillies are coming after them. And the hillbillies like they had. There's a wood chipper scene. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's just uh, it's, it. it the, I think it was uh, Alan Tudyk is throwing stuff into the wood chipper. And this I think it was the jock was gonna go tackle him and take him out. Well, Alan moves, and like Jock jumps right into the wood chipper. Oh, man. So Alan goes, he just committed suicide. These <laughs> kind of kids are on a murder-suicide pact. Yeah. Oh, it is a fantastic movie. Okay. I think you sold me. i got to check it out. Yeah. It is definitely different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, now we go to... Uh, next? Jewel State. Kaylee. Kaylee. Who has got to be the absolute heart and soul? Oh, big time! Of uh, Serenity. Yeah, just she's she's the pure innocent one. Yes. Uh, yes. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say innocent. Well, innocent, <laughs> innocent, other than the fact that she likes sex. Yes. Yeah, and that oh, with the doctor. Well, <laughs> our, our first introduction to Kaylee is in um, Out of Gas. Oh, when she's first introduced to the ship. When she's first introduced to the ship by yep. the original mechanic. Because they're banging away in the engine room. Yep. 
Not so innocent there. And he there. says something's wrong. He says, no, that's not the problem. I noticed the problem when I was laying on my back. Yes. <laughs> so, Kaylee, Kaylee is the, I think she's is the heart and soul of that group. I don't think Mal would be able to function on it, like, after bad events happen without Kaylee. I think Kaylee's kind of like Mal's rock. Because anytime Mal has something bad happen, Kaylee's right there comforting him. She is the silver lining she, she girl. Put the smile back on his face. Yeah. Yep. Even with her first introduction to book, when they're standing outside on Persephone, yes. She goes, yeah. "You want to come in our ship? Because you don't care where you're going. You know, I can see that about you. You're not looking at destinations. You're looking at the ships, and our ship's the nicest. Yep. yep. And we have uh, Adam Baldwin as Jane <laughs> Cobb. Jane, the greatest Baldwin in Hollywood <laughs> history. <laughs> Screw the the other Baldwins. He's not related well, to them. That's just it. They're clones. He's different. Yes. They all look the same. He is Adam Baldwin. And he's been great for decades. Yes. He's been in Academy Award winning movies. He's been in a ton of great TV shows. Oh, yeah. He was in X-Files for uh, the last couple years. Yep, yep. He was in X-Files. He was on Chuck. Yeah. yeah. He was great in Chuck. I think he brought some of his role from Firefly into Chuck. Oh, yeah, because yeah. he got to play that hard ass. see it. Like, because I've seen Firefly before I watched Chuck. Well, and see, that's the one thing about this particular cast. You look at them and listen to them. They always say that this was the show they were all born to play. Yeah. So from this point on, anything that they do is a reflection of it, because they love those characters so much. I still, I, I believe when you look at the the character that he that Adam Baldwin played in Chuck and Jane Cobb, the character that he played in Chuck was not as uh, bumbling as Jane seemed to be. Not okay. as bumbling, and he had he had pure loyalty. Yes. Yes. Okay. James got that money. But he was still, you know, the tough as nails gun knight. Oh, yeah. Ready, ready, itching for a fight. Yep. Uh, still, I don't know. Nothing beats Jane in Janestown. <laughs> That's the man the they call Jane. The hero of Especially when he's getting ready to go to Canton for the first time. He's got the hat on, the goggles. Giant eye. Even Mal does a double take. But when they see that statue, Simon's like, this must be what madness feels like. <laughs> yeah. yep. Great lines. Uh, okay. Uh, After Jane. Uh, Nara. Marina Nara. Marina yes. Beautiful. Hot. Stunningly beautiful. And oh. she was not the original person to play that. No? Really? No, it was, uh, what's her name? Gayheart. Um... Oh, Rebecca, Gay- Gay- Rebecca Gayhart. Rebecca That's who they picked up. For That's who they originally had picked I don't for her. Recognize that name? Um. Oh, crapsicle! Uh, I. Uh, God damn it! Um, she was in those movies with the things. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The, the guy on the screen and the stuff with the yes. movies. Oh, okay, I, okay, I got anyway, it now. She didn't get it, but Maria Bacarin did, and I'm ultimately glad that she did. Oh, because she's yes. infinitely hotter than Rebecca Gayhart. She's well, hotter, but she's also has a very innocent-looking face to her. Yes, those eyes, those big dark eyes. Yes, and that worked in the in an opposite direction on her role on the new V. Well, she's yeah, that's leader. true. Yeah. Yes, it was, it was creepy to see her in that role. <laughs> well, also because she had short hair, like she looked totally different from Anara. Yes, you know. Just menacing. But it was still her, and yeah, that's the word. She was menacing on V. 
But like Inara, like you said, with with uh, with her audition, apparently she came in the very next day. She reread, and the third day she was on set. That's how fast it moved for her. <laughs> well, he said she. Josh saw something, and he definitely went for he went for the gold on that one, and he did a fantastic job. And now a word from our sponsors. Before 1971. A young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18. But with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt, or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at What I find amazing is it's so hard to get chemistry between two or three people in a show. Yeah. He got chemistry between nine people. Yeah. You know, that has got to be like a Guinness World Record. Yeah. 
Well, now we have uh, Sean Mayer, Simon, Simon Tam, Tam, the uh, Honest- medical prodigy, I guess you would call him, that gave up everything to rescue his sister. And in all honesty, Sean Mayer, I've never seen him before this show. And honestly, I haven't seen him since. I don't. Well, as I had said earlier, the only t- really thing that I think I've seen him in, but him and Jewel State did uh, one episode stint on uh, Warehouse 13 as a couple. Okay, so yes. Simon and Kaylee were a got, couple on Warehouse 13. Finally got married. Well, and something I don't know if you know, but uh, at the very end of Serenity, when they're standing on the rock there at the very end, and yeah. Kaylee's got that necklace around her neck. That's the Chinese symbol for marriage around her neck. So it is very strongly hinted at that they've already been married in that. Cool. Yes. All right. Then, okay. After Simon, I guess, would be? River. River. Yes, Summer Glau. Summer Glau. The Terminator. Yes. She actually watched it, but I know she was the Terminator. The only time I ever saw her in a Terminator reference was on Big Bang Theory. <laughs> and then that was just on a train, and she was trying to get away from Wallowitz. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think that counts. But as River Tam, you see the the true prodigy, the true mental genius that she was, and then she gets chewed up by the government to be turned into a weapon. Exactly, and Summer Glau was amazing pulling that off. Now, her acting ability. Just knocked it out of the park every time. Degree of difficulty for the nine people, I'd say she had the hardest. Yes. Yes. Because she went from almost psychotic to completely lucid. Well, she was a with a a 60 kind of character. Yes. And like you said, it didn't take very much for her to go from zero to 60 and then back. Yep. And you just went, okay, like. And to be completely random. Yeah. in the movie, the chase scene with the Reavers. Yes. Gets in the ship and everything stops. They pan at her and she says, I think I swallowed a bug. <laughs> Such a innocent... Oh there's, an, there's an actress who's... Uh, I, I, uh, I'm going to say she's kind of breaking out right now. Who's really showing that same kind of uh, potential. It's the lead actress on the new show Orphan Black. Tatiana Maslany. She, she's, it, it's a show about clones. There's, so far, I, I think we've seen like seven different versions of this girl. Uh-huh. She's playing all these different versions of herself. <laughs> and there was a bit of a behind-the-scenes thing I'd seen where one of her co-stars said, you can tell which character they're shooting that day by the way she just walks into the room. Because she's got each different clone has their own way of movement, their own mannerisms. See, now that's everything. cool. And at... Really, the first time I saw her doing that, it really did bring me back to River Tam. And how quickly she would switch moods and change from the innocent little girl to a dangerous weapon. And slicing up uh, different members of the crew at a moment's notice. Poor Jane. Jane. (laughs) (laughs) Remember when she came out with a butcher knife? Butcher knife. Yeah, she didn't hurt nobody. <laughs> well, nobody we couldn't afford to lose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that said, she, that, the Summer Glow character, River Tan, just, I would have just loved, actually, for all nine that we can say, I would have loved to see where everything was going to go with all these characters. Oh, yeah. Okay, my, the big mystery of this 
Wrong glass. Reverend Book. Yeah. Yes. Shepherd Book. What was he? They oh. hint at it three times in the show. Huge once hint. in the movie. And once in the movie yeah. that he was, he's not a, sh- a normal shepherd. No. No. Well, he said you, his tactical knowledge that he brought to some of the situations, you're going, what yeah. is good? What is this guy? Well, even when he got shot. Yes. They pull up to the Alliance cruiser that, and boom, in he goes. Yeah, they just took him with no questions asked. Just get him to Med Bay. There's a huge storyline there that's that's never been... And even in uh, Objects in Space, the, the bounty hunter flat out says, that Simon, that ain't no shepherd. Uh-huh. I would love so, to read a book or something that, like, if Joss Whedon were to write a book that explained... Shepherd books history and his past I would read that in a heartbeat oh yeah I'd be all over that like a fat kid on a smarty I would read it <laughs> <laughs> oh That'd speaking be like of a... M&M's did you bring uh, Christina her M&M's oh, oh so anyway back to the cast what do you know I think we we have I, I would say there's a tenth character that we have to consider absolutely serenity the ship itself exactly now I don't know about the movie and I'm all, I really wonder because that first opening scene is like one solid shot following Mal through the ship yep. you know but I know on the show it was actually built as two complete sets there was the upper deck and the lower deck two completely different sets. 90% of the time when they weren't shooting they were all in the lounge on the ship instead of in the green room yeah. that's where they hung out well why not exactly it was functional yes but that ship that got so versatile you know especially with the design of it yes definitely different than uh, any other ship you see oh yeah I'd say the closest uh, spaceship of any like TV or movie that I've seen anything like that closest thing that comes to mind would be the Millennium Falcon Yes, as a home in space. Oh, okay. As a home in space, I would have to agree with the Millennium Falcon. It's not. It's not straight corners. It's. Uh, it's got nooks. It's got crannies. Not like you know smuggler it, holes. Yeah, not like the. Uh, what are they called? The, the blockade runner, the, the rebel ship at the beginning of the first Star Wars movie. Yeah. Oh, it, it, looked, it looked all clean cut. It looked you know. Yeah. Well, it's dirty and used. Well, see, that's just that was the draw of Star Wars at that point. I think that's the draw of Joss Whedon's universe here. It's not a pristine universe. It's a broken universe. It's you know, it's things are worn out. It's taped together. It's you know, falling apart. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> things were falling off in the movie. But yeah, it's it's an actual thing. Like you could look at it and say, "Yep, oh, well, that's where it got hit that day," and "Oh, there's where this bounced off of it." And, yep. You know, it was nicely set up. Oh, absolutely. Uh, okay. <laughs> we're, we're, we're still running on uh, a mobile phone here, so we're just checking time, but you got to add her pass key. And, uh, we'll just keep talking about it for a second. We're probably close to 40 minutes. There we go. Guess. There we go. Okay. What are we looking at there? Okay. It is telling me. Uh, 33 minutes and 34 seconds. Yes. Pretty good. I hope I got that. All right. So we kind of broke down the characters. Um, we talked about our favorite episodes. Now, what I like, really liked about the show was the dialogue between all the characters. Um, 
they talk like everybody would talk. Like I said, the chemistry. Yes. It's just... You know, especially Kaylee, she came from a small, like, backwater village type planet. She didn't really have schooling. So you could just hear every time she talked, she didn't, maybe not use proper grammar. I don't think anybody on that ship used proper grammar. Contracted. (laughs) You know, she used a little bit of different slang. I like that. (laughs) I think it was in um, uh, Shindig when Kaylee dressed up and she became the center of attraction yep. when she was talking about ships. Yeah. And her such an in-depth knowledge of ships and the mechanics of ships, that's what like you, you go, okay. You don't expect that from her. Oh no, not at all. And then said she starts laying science down on everybody about <laughs> these ships and they get blown away. And, she, uh, and she's like talk, doing that, talking about the ships. Yeah, and the the, the, two, the two thousands. Ah, that's just the one thousand with a with a different paint job. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, that's just it. It's like she even says it in the lounge. I think it's just when engines are broken, she knows what's wrong. Yeah. It's just a natural they thing talk for her. To her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Engines talk to her. That's what. She, that's how she described it. It's just a natural ability, and. Okay, I don't know where I was going with that, but it's a natural ability. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. She's just like as, as mechanically inclined as she is. You have to say Simon is more medically inclined because those two, each person had a job on that boat. Yep, and you couldn't really have them cross with each other because nobody was as good as the person that was assigned to that job. Because nobody could put a ship together like Kaylee. Uh, nobody could fly like Wash. Yep. And nobody could fight like Mal Jane and uh, Zoe. Mm-hmm. Nobody was doctoring like Simon. No, no, no. And nobody was preaching like uh, Buck. Exactly. They nobody all. Nobody was nearly as crazy as River. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Xander. <laughs> River touches in a whole bunch of different areas oh, that yeah. way. <laughs> It's like family. That's exactly what it was. First time for me seeing this in English, it was like sitting down, having a discussion with your family, and watching the siblings go at it. Wait a minute. What does Inara do? Well, um, (laughs) what's the rating on this particular show today? (laughs) Well, we've already always have the explicit tag, so... She gives gives respect. Yeah. Well, that was it. She got that ship into places that normally it could not go. Yeah. Because, like you said... She's the ambassador. The, the, com- the companion mythos, I guess you could call it. Yep. Uh, that gives it the air of respectability. That she was apparently was very popular. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she seemed to be at the top of her game no matter where she went. Yep. And well, like, like Laura said, this was one giant family. They put the fun in dysfunctional. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say, I think that was the one. I think um, when Mal kicked Jane out of, off the table the one time, when he was starting to run down uh, Kaylee. Yep. Getting all lubed up over a doctor. Exactly. Yep. Walk away from my table. Yep. That, you know you're in shit when you get kicked <laughs> out of the uh, the kitchen. Time out, Jane. Or when <laughs> Time out. Mal locked him in, in the airlock. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yep. Aerial. Aerial, yeah. Yep. 
locked him in the airlock. There's where his timeout chair is. It's now in the airlock. <laughs> if you cross any of my crew, you're crossing me. Yeah. Nope. So there, like, it shows that he's like, he's like the dad of the family. The father there. figure. He keeps everyone in check, and he cares for everybody. It doesn't matter if they're, if it's the doctor and his psychopath sister almost. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because even in the movie, when they get rid of him, and then she goes, you know... And he still brings her back. Brings her back. Because you can't leave him out there like that. Nope. Even if he doesn't know why. Exactly. Even he doesn't know why, but that's just who he is. So they all... It was a show of family. They were all scattered until Serenity brought them all together. Exactly. And I think... Serenity has to get a lot more credit for keeping that crew together. The, the they ship all fall itself. in love with the ship. Absolutely. Because they all depend on the ship. They all love that ship. Mm-hmm. And without that ship, they become separate and nothing. Well, the ship was... Uh, a part of the ship was the main reason why Jane joined the crew. He got his own room. Yes, yes that's true. <laughs> I get my own bunk. Yes. <laughs> and no. his his bunk is set up kind of nice. Got that false wall there with all the weapons yeah, behind it. Yeah. <laughs> his blanket. Yep. So, for the movie, they kind of... I think they played with the timeline a little bit. Um, they did. Just because I think there was such a gap between when the show aired and when the, the movie hit. Three years three years so you have to make the the, the Simon and River storyline fresh again like Simon I'm trying to figure out okay they did alter it a bit yeah they did alter it a bit because they basically told Simon what they were doing to River in the movie which contradicts what happened in the show but exactly. they needed that for the movie because remember yes. the movie was, wasn't was just for the Firefly fans no. it was supposed to draw the new, a fresh audience yeah. yeah so they had to throw get, just get that quick plot points out there yeah. from the show and let's move on and it was good storytelling too to have Simon there say here I'm here to rescue a river and whereas in that pilot episode he said it took all of his money he paid these people and they brought river to him in that crate yeah, yeah. You know. Well, you see, that also sets up the operative to say why, like, so when the, the one the one doctor goes, "Well, oh, that's mad. It was just pure madness to throw it away," and the operative goes, "Look at his face. That's love. Mm-hmm. That's not anything any of us wouldn't do for our our own sibling or our loved one or whatever. We would do exactly what Simon did, and that's a." Uh, that's how they perfectly springboard that movie into, uh, into yep. uh, where it's going. The biggest thing that I, I I was so happy that they delved into in the movie was the Reavers. We They just hinted at the Reavers on the show. Always curious, what exactly are the Reavers? Well, they kept saying in the show that they were the people that went to the edge of space and went mad. But they almost, they almost kind of implied at one point, at least that I felt like it, that they were almost more zombie-like, not well, rampaging like they are. I, well, I, I kind of got the zombie vibe off of the way they were described in one of the episodes. 
what was that one episode called? Safe? No, no, that was the witch one. The one where they find the ship and there's only one survivor. Bushwhacked. Bushwhacked. There we go. That is a good one. That, when he turns himself into a reaver, there's no zombies thing there. He's all over the place. Yeah. Let's see, the, 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 the visuals of what he'd done to himself went by so quick, it was really hard to make out for me. Well, Jane says, they're all cutting on, the, cutting on his face and stuff like that. Yep. And so, it's... And even when they pull him out of there, they accuse the, the crew of Serenity of assaulting him, basically, because his tongue is cut out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the uh, the re- the Reavers are um, the the boogeyman that scares everybody. Yep. <laughs> That's even referenced in there. Jane says that. Yep. And even even the Alliance are afraid of them. Oh yeah. Because the big climax of Serenity when they when they come barreling through the Ion Cloud. That is the they best. Immediately switch targets. The best visual in that movie is that. Serenity comes out of the cloud. Everybody's ready to fire at Serenity. And then this other army pours out of the cloud behind them. <laughs> beautiful. And it's an army of their own making. Yes. yes. Yeah. But, but they didn't know that, of course. This is true. Yes. But the, and you got to... But that's again, irony for you. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That is... In the, uh, you got to hand the uh, visual designers of, that, of the ships and whatnot. You got to give them some great props because the Reaver ships... We're all so weird and clunky, and they all work through. You see the ones that kind of lasso the other ships and swing them out of orbit. And, and you know, looks like they're pieced together, like they just kind of mash. Which they are. That's that's exactly together, it. Just, kind of, well, I, just enough to get ships. them to fly. Yeah. yeah, that's why um when Mal told them to just get the pieces of the ship that um, Shepard had shot down. To stick on to Serenity just to make the Reavers think, yep. yeah, they just smushed a whole bunch of pieces of metal together. Cut it open where it won't make a difference. And, yep. Yep. I, it just... That whole series, the TV series, it's a crying shame that it uh, died as quick as it did. Yes. It is just like a robbery to science fiction and good TV fans... All over the world. It just like handled properly. That could have gone on many seasons. Oh, absolutely. And there's there's never ever been an explanation as to why they messed with it like they did. Why is there? Just, no, that's going to be a, a secret that'll go down forever. But I do have to say, one of the best April Fool's pranks was perpetrated on Firefly fl- fans. Netflix. Oh, Netflix. Oh, Netflix yes. this year. Yeah. On the bottom of the Firefly tab, they put the new episodes. <laughs> oh, sweet. <laughs> <It's> horrible. <laughs> what a tease. Yeah. So nicely done. Yeah. So that was probably one of the one of the greatest pranks I had uh, I had ever heard. Well, see, I think both the TV show and the movie, unfortunately, well, I can't say the TV show, but the movie kind of did itself in, only in the fact that. They were planning on multiple movies. So, of course, every actor coming in had to sign multiple contracts, you know. Two of them could not commit. So... Two of them died. Yes. So... (laughs) Yes. Two of the main characters are killed off in this. When that... And I I think I was speaking to Jason about this. I think that's what pushed people away from the movie is it broke up the crew. It broke up the family. Well, even... Even still, like... 
uh, you look at uh, some of the, I think it was in Objects in Space, they already say uh, Shepard Book has left the ship. So they'd already just started to break up. And Inara had left too. Exactly. So they're already starting they to break up the crew. But yeah. you have to remember, that's on a TV show getting ready for a second season. This yeah. is a movie, and they are... Yeah. Well, As we saw in the movie, Inara was gone from the ship at the end of the series. Yep. She's I, back. Yeah. I don't think... I think in their heart of hearts, they knew that they were only going to get one movie. I really do. I yeah. do. I don't... I, I I personally feel they said, that's why Josh killed, or Josh killed Vulcan Wash. Oh, he, you think it was for the story? Yeah. Okay, because at the end of the series, Joss talks about Zoe and Wash and says that is the couple that he's always dreamed of in TV, and that's a couple he wants to take further and would never split them apart in his interview. Yeah. But he... In the movie, though, like I said, it, it, basically those two could not confirm multiple movies, and Joss had to write around them in the event that a second movie came around. So that probably broke his heart to do that. Oh, yes. I'm assuming I'm going to the right spot. Yep. To your place. Yep. All right. Well, I think uh, we're, we're... We're getting close here. We're at the 47-minute mark. Well, I think we're said. We're not that far away from my house. Like you keep driving around the block. And <laughs> well, okay. I, just before we wrap up, what's the, the the newbies? What's your perspective on Firefly Serenity? Hal, amazing. I was really impressed. Yeah. I had seen it in German, and it's not even close. Because <laughs> of the translation? It, it, it loses a lot in translation. They they don't understand sarcasm in Europe, <laughs> so a, a lot of the jokes just. Didn't make sense. Explains why they don't get Americans. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think, Xander? I was very upset because I knew that it was only one season. After the first, after that one season was done, I was just very upset that I couldn't watch any more other than the movie. I I am with you there, one hundred percent. Taryn. I've always loved Firefly. My dad got me into it a few years ago now. I've rewatched the season a few times. I've watched the movie, I don't know how many times. So I caught up in the past few days knowing I was coming. I've always really loved it. Because it, I think it's, like, as you're saying, it's a good sci fi, but I think it speaks other than sci fi. Like, you don't, I'm not a huge sci fi fan, but I can still, I still love Firefly and Serenity. I think it falls back to what Laura said. It's a big family. Because I know, going back and watching it, it feels like home. Like, this, this is what I was meant to do, was watch Firefly. And while you know? it does fall under the sci-fi category, in my opinion, there's not much sci-fi to it. Yeah, there's the spaceship, but it's not like we see interstellar space battles and whatnot. No, the, the ship, they, they could be in the back of a truck yeah. or on a boat. In the whole series, I think there's only one laser. Yeah. yeah, they have laser guns. Oh, laser sorry, guns. two. That's right. They had the yeah. prototype, and then what's his name's got one there on uh, Heart of there Gold. Was actually oh, the, the Alliance uses laser guns every once in a while. Do they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, but then... it, I think you more see the classic original yeah. guns because 
the, the laser guns, I think, are more for the central planets, the rich folk. Ah, very good. So, if you're flying, like, doing odd jobs, you've got the gun you've had forever. Passed down. Bullets are cheaper than batteries, apparently. Oh, yeah. Alrighty. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us for now. Yeah, so our our second ever special episode. Um, I like doing these special episodes. I really do. Being able to focus on one thing... And really give it our our all attention. Uh, I, I would like to think we can do some more somewhere along the line, but yeah, I think it's time we got we got to put Firefly and Serenity to bed, boys. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you have any more suggestions, get a hold of us. The Movie Madhouse at Gmail Yeah, you can also look for us on iTunes, on the Facebook page, the Movie Madhouse Facebook page, on Stitcher, and. Uh, or yet yeah, themoviemadhouse.com for uh, to listen to the latest podcast. So I guess we're going to wrap it up for tonight. So for Mike and Rob and Jason, we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Bye. And you got to do the passcode. Okay, so we're not completely over yet because I can't hit the button. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll eventually have this in the can here. I want to be a brown coat. Push that up a little bit more. I am a bro- Stop it. <laughs> you need to put a mark on there. There you go. There, I didn't even touch it. Ha ha. Did you? I I am a brown coat. Oh, you are a brown coat. That's right. You're a card carrying brown coat. I'm a card carrying brown coat. Made the card myself. Well, there you go. See? See, arts and crafts pays off. It does. Yes. Crayola is my hero. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, that is one of my favorite movies is Serenity. Well, wow. they said that whole series. They said we talked about that. You, you got the love coming through your speakers when we were talking about our, our love of uh, the Joss Whedon series. That mm-hmm. little series that never got a chance to uh, spread its wings. I really wish they'd do it again. Well, see, I'm I'm very partial to the Netflix pranks that they pull every every April first. They keep putting the new episode tags on the uh, the Firefly episode, <laughs> and everybody keeps falling for it because everybody wants this thing to come back alive. Mm-hmm. So that's I just don't see it. Ha- the only thing I, the only way I could see it happening maybe is if Netflix buys it and does what they're doing with their original series and reboots it kind of yeah. thing. So Yeah, because Joss is a little busy right now. <laughs> Somewhat. <laughs> Somewhat. Yeah. But that is another episode of Flashback Fridays. Yes. I hope you enjoyed the shows. Well, thank you for stopping by, everybody. And uh, we will see you next Friday. Yes. Have a good week. See ya. See ya.